0: We live in a fantasy world now. Reality has been destroyed. This is
1: the time that we really need to pay attention. The probabilities
0: are overwhelmingly on gold's side. That is the best environment to see gold increase its value.
1: Welcome to Palisades Gold Radio. I'm your host, Tom Bodrovich. Today, I have the distinct pleasure of hosting three really interesting gentlemen. Tom Luongo, producer of Gold, Goats and Guns, Rudy Havenstein, senior market commentator, and also returning back after a little bit of a hiatus here on the show, Dave Collum, professor of organic chemistry. Gentlemen, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Really figured we would try to to get a, a really interesting and spicy conversation here before the end of the year, kind of going into Christmas here. So why don't we start by talking a little bit about You know the coming election and maybe some of the some of the candidates that we've seen and their actions going into this election year. You know Vivek had this you know statement that he wanted to put out on CNBC and was unable to be contained by the host. So maybe we can start there and you
0: know figure out which direction we're going to take this one. Yeah, I think that was CNN. Just to make sure we. We tire that that group with the right brush. Um, well, I'll, I'll start. Um, yeah, go ahead and start, Dave. He does he have a prayer of being top of the ticket unless unless something happens that's not foreseeable. Um, it It looks like Trump versus somebody. Unless Trump's in prison and they somehow find some way to get him out of there, but I just saw a poll the other day that shows amongst independents he had a two to one lead over Biden. That that's a reversal from four years ago, and um, and uh, and then um, I, I have this nagging fear that uh, that the twenty twenty four election cannot possibly go well at all and then it'll be a catastrophe no matter what because I uh, the only way it wins is if the Democrats can somehow scooch out a candidate that's that's really good. And that candidate can be endorsed by people and they feel okay about him him or her becoming president. But I'm uh, beyond the Democrats saving us by doing that, I, I can't see how it's gonna be anything but just a, a total shit show.
2: Well I, I agree, and I agree for a variety of reasons, and not the least of which is that the Democrats are in complete, complete vandal mode at this point. I, I see this as going to wind up being Gavin Grusin, um, uh is going to be the guy. You're seeing the Democratic high-net-worth donors all either jumping ship. Um, and That would be, like, the most interesting thing for me was Jamie Dimon coming out in, in favor of Nikki Haley. The more I think about that, at first I was like, eh, and then I really thought about it. And diamond cross party lines diamond told wall street hey you don't you know what you don't have to give equal amounts of money to both sides this time and then hope that you know so that you don't get re- so you don't get revenged by whoever loses or by whoever wins um so i think that's a, a tell that and, it, and then you know and, it, and for diamond he can't say trump and you, and I wouldn't either if I were him. I would say the next best thing. And I think that Wall Street likes the idea of Nikki Haley at best because she's an empty suit into which they can pour their policy. OK, because she Isn't doesn't She's polling at
0: like three percent,
2: eight percent or whatever the hell it is. It doesn't matter. She's not going to be the nominee. Trump is going to be the nominee. But but by it's 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 the fact that that Diamond went to a GOP candidate. Got it. Okay? So it's the proxy that's, the, that's the key. Yes, that's the I case, support. right. And then you in our mutual friend, Danielle DiMartino Booth has been, you know, quite vocal about supporting Haley. So it seems to me that Wall Street has, you know, put a is trying to put the imprimatur on her. It's also another way of saying that Vivek Ramaswamy isn't real, isn't isn't live. He's Memorex or that he's, you know, H1B Obama is the way I've been talking about him. And then, you know. But the bigger thing, and you've seen it in the last couple of weeks, is that the Democrats, the big party donors, are now talking about the Kamala Harris problem. They have decided that Gruesome is going to be the candidate, and they're trying to figure out the way of getting around the both the Biden problem, which actually solves itself in so many ways for them. But then they have the problem of Kamala Harris. And Kamala Harris is is, is clearly not stepping aside, even though she's been asked multiple times to do so. Um. So what does that mean? And it means that, you know, we have a we have a functional split in within the Democratic Party. And we've always had since go you know, since the days of Obama versus Clinton in the primaries, we've had a problem within the Democrats of there's the Obama wing and there's the Clinton wing. Right? Cuz Obama was president but he wasn't head of the party cuz cuz Hillary controlled all the money and she in many ways controlled a lot of the policy. So that's been there for years. And then you've got this weird California thing happening. Like, what does that mean? Right. So with gruesome and Pelosi and all that, dude, I can't handicap these people at this point. I know what they want to do, but I don't know how they're going to get there. Because if Harris doesn't step aside, she she doesn't, she has already made it abundantly clear. I am not going to be Spiro Agnew. So now what? Now they're going to have to manufacture something on her. Well, I don't know. If you remember,
3: Harris couldn't get, you know, 2% of the Democratic primary vote, you know, nobody, nobody likes her. The reason she's on the ticket is because she looks the exact opposite of Joe Biden, obviously. But as someone who's lived under uh, Newsom's completely authoritarian and capricious and and uh, idiotic COVID policies for for several years, Um I had a buddy. I have a buddy who lives in Florida and he travels all over the United States and the world. And he told me because I, I mean, Gavin is good looking. He's tall. He, he's got a ton of money and uh, he can put two words together in a sentence, unlike Biden or, or Kamala. And um, and so I more I'm worried. Actually, I say I wish he would run for president so he gets out of California. But hmm. did, would, would he is he electable nationwide? I mean, because my friend was telling me everybody hates California and they especially hate what Gavin Newsom represents. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I would love to be just run ads against Newsom all day long where you show San Francisco before with all the, you know, the zombies and the trash and then have him on TV saying, yeah, we cleaned up because President Z was coming and then show it a week later after Z left and show it's gone back to trash. I mean, to me, that's just that should outrage everybody, regardless of party or liberal or conservative. And I think it does. It's starting to enrage a lot of people in San Francisco. But that's my question. to You guys do you think. Newsom is nationally electable. I mean, I know he'll win California, and that's a lot of votes, and he'll win New York, but I assume, but where else? Maybe the full, you know, Oregon.
2: I I know, Rudy, you bring up the the really interesting point. I watched a really great uh, interview with Larry Elder. I was going through all this. He's like, people don't realize that, one, Grusom is not electable, and they know he's not electable. And then, two, Kamala Harris has never lost an election. Mm. (laughs) Every election that she's ever been involved in, and by the way, black women love her. Yeah. She polls really well.
0: I, I have trouble with that one. Are you I mean, sure about
2: that? according to Larry Elder who knows California politics better than I do. I
0: was I was riding in a cab with a black limo driver and he said she couldn't get a single vote out of the hood.
2: I I'm saying black women not black men. Black men are That's completely black, black, black men are That's all going to vote for are all going to vote for are all going to vote, vote for Trump. Are you kidding me? But the that's six percent you know, of the
0: population,
2: though. I agree, and then certain and in certain states, it's 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 irrelevant. I mean, like they can't. It's yeah, I know. I mean, they used to play this game in Florida. Same thing with the Hispanics. They used to you know they used to bring them in and then think that they were all going to give you know give them money and then all vote Democrat. And they got news for you, they're not. They're all voting, voting Republican at this point. They're all. I mean, the, the rural Florida is is MAGA country. So yeah.
0: imagine yeah. Trump versus Newsom in some sort of debate. Doesn't Newsom have a laundry list a mile long of, of disasters that that you can have? You know, California is itself a disaster. I mean, there's a meme that says you know it could be worse. There's people who actually live in California, um, yeah. and uh, but but I think that laundry laundry list is so bad and so long that it'll be like this infinite loop that they just run twenty four seven. On TV, well, and, and I Trump, with his ability to do a machete job on someone strikes me as being able
2: to carve Newsom to bits. I would certainly hope so. But, you know, I've also watched, you know, Donald Trump commit as many own goals as, you know, any as as anybody right. as any Colombian soccer player. Um, or <laughs> but I mean, I'm serious when I, you know, when you, I guess. OK, there's a, so there's a couple of things I've been thinking about in terms of how would they actually run Newsom or Harris or anybody else? Okay, because they they are not going to win this election if it's an if it's anything close to to a real election. Well, the, clearly, there's one thing they have to do is they've got to get "quote unquote" inflation under control. They have to make sure that there's no recession. They've got to get control of all of that. That's one. Two. What's the thing animating the anybody left the center at this point? It's war and 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 money. Like everything, you know, at, at the end of the day, it's going to be those two things because that's always what determines. The, the the outcome of a presidential election. Well, so re- so now the, the question re- is, are we going to see the Democrats turn on foreign policy and and try and undo and wait until the last moment to undo any uh, any of the troubles that Trump left behind? I um, And I'm going to seriously think about Syria here. OK, um, for me, I think Syria becomes an issue that gruesome will try and nail Trump on. And, uh, then he, pull, and, and then they'll pull, and they'll pull the troops, no, no, and they'll no, try no, and no, pull but, the troops out.
0: But if you if you, if if he goes after him on Syria, Trump will just turn around and go after Ukraine, and it's going to be you know hundred billion dollars here, hundred billion dollars there. Ukraine. And then say I didn't say it was a
2: winning strategy, Dave. I said it was their best card to play. Well, they are playing. Well, they are at this point. They're they're, they're, they're is it, This is a chess yeah. match. They're going into the. They're going into the. They're they're, they're starting the game. You know, if Trump's got thirteen pieces on the board. They have seven, and. They and he has his queen and they don't. I mean, if you like to pay- I have
0: an outlier, I have two outliers. One is okay. um, and it's not going to happen. But if if somehow the Democrats said, look, we have to win. and They bring in Bobby Kennedy. All of a sudden, it's a it's a race. They won't do it. No, but it would be a race.
2: Nope.
0: And second, um, I think they bring in Big Mike. I think they bring in Michelle.
2: She doesn't want the job. She doesn't want a campaign. She might want the job. Well, I, you know, after watching uh, Leave the World Behind, she definitely wants the job.
0: Right. So they bring her in late.
2: That's the other option. some
0: way, she rides in on a white stallion, saves the day. She doesn't have to kiss babies. She doesn't have to shake hands. Um, I was talking to a guy who who knows her and mm-hmm. said that's what she wants to avoid. She doesn't want yep. a campaign.
2: No, she hates people.
0: Well, there's that.
2: Is she electable? <laughs> is she electable? I don't think she is. I, don't, I, I think so, she. Either. I think. I think the idea of Big Mike, uh, I mean, is, why not uh, Oprah? Or big, you know, I mean, yeah, make is is bigger is better than the actual thing you get when it, you think about. it. she
0: would be running on the idea of Big Mike?
2: Yeah, but I don't like the name. I don't like the term Big Mike.
3: She's a she. She's she. she I disagree. With, probably was with her, but I you know.
2: I don't like to do that, but anyway, fair enough. We talked about you're you're in this room, Dave, and I have been running this. I've been running this one for all long. I've been running this one for all long. I know,
3: but you mentioned earlier that the the uh, the liberals are all excited about war and money, and I my immediate thought is, well, so are all the the GOP. I I don't want to use the word conservative because there's nothing conservative about anything these guys are doing. I mean, Nikki Haley. You as as I mean, whoever called her Dick Cheney in heels was that was a very apt description. I mean, that's so right. I agree. You know, that's
2: that, what I'm. That's what I'm getting at. Is that the, yeah. the Democrats but I mean, it's, are going to pivot Mars, hard anti-war? They're the going to Pivot hard anti-war. They yeah. have to. It's their only. It's their only strategic play. And oh, having, wait, wait, wait! You're saying that the the liberals are going to be suddenly become anti-war? W- that the Democrats are going to pivot hard anti-war? And st- and thanks and. to Israel Gaza, we have had we've had now had a referendum on whether or not. um presidential candidates support genocide or not no yeah, i don't know okay this is as far as we're going to go into they that conversation but we have to think about it okay. in politically strategic terms okay. right in, politi- in domestic policy terms we've had a referendum on whether or not we su- whether or not as voters we support genocide or not which makes almost every republican on the ticket out there right now other than trump un- unelectable to everybody in the center well here's a question they are morally reprehensible people and i can't bring myself to vote for people who would who would think this way well, I'm not
3: voting for any of them. I'm going to probably write in Ron Paul again. But I mean, if we let's say Trump somehow wins, uh, does that mean we're going to get Steve Mnuchin and Gary Cohn and John Bolton and Mike Pompeo and all the other swamp creatures back in there? I well, mean, has he, you know, he this went the is, way he this ran is... in 2016 and the way he ruled were were almost two entirely different things. Uh, maybe immigration. I mean, he kept his consistency, but that was my least favorite part about him, you know. And I didn't. Well, I mean, but here's the point.
2: thing, Rudy. And it's 2024 is not 2016. Right. Trump is not the same guy. And I'm. I'm not defending Trump because I'm. I, I will hold my nose and vote for him. Okay. Yeah. So, but so here's it doesn't the thing. matter who I vote for in California. So that, that's kind of okay. So there's there's that here in Florida, it's not going to matter for me. I could vote for Mickey right. Mouse. I could vote for my wife. It won't matter. Sure. Trump is sure. going. Trump will, will will take will take Florida. Right. What's important to understand here is that is that Trump did himself no favors when he came in in 2016, and they literally shut him out of being able to put anybody in his cabinet who didn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. So, one, this is the, the biggest, two biggest problems of Donald Trump are as follows. One, he, has, he demands complete loyalty and shows his people none, okay. okay? Which is why he can't get decent people, couldn't get decent people to work for him, okay? okay. And two, Mitch McConnell and company, Made it sure that he, that his list of candidates that he was he, he could have for his cabinet were, it was it was this long and they all sucked. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So your choice is, well, I got my choice is John Bolton or Victoria Newland for, you know, national security advisor. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know what I mean? Like this is your choice. So you choose, so do you choose the, the nakedly evil one or do you, you know, do you keep Nuland buried in this, in the, in the bowels of the State Department? Those mm-hmm. are, you know, and so you have to kind of, you, it, it, it's not the world we want. It's the world we've got. Right. So that's now, the first who does thing.
0: Kennedy pull from. Who does Kennedy pull from?
2: I think he pulls from the, I think he pulls from Biden because I think honestly that Kennedy has made it abundantly clear by emphasizing all of the crazy lib portion of his platform, which he's gone out of his way to do and alienate a whole bunch of people like, like my entire group, you know, I'm now my, my group is an outlier, Right. But, the the typical person who follows me is like no kennedy's completely unacceptable now climate change this vaccine all this stuff he's completely un- unacceptable now right especially after israel gaza and um and climate change that means that if that's the case then he is then he is now trying to shift the hard left to differentiate himself from trump i'll be honest with you i see i see the way kennedy has been campaigning recently as very pro trump to ensure that he moves to the left to pull some of the left of center from going back to the Democrats. That's the way I see it. I don't know. But to, but to, to your point, Rudy, you know, Trump is a mess. And so he has to come in and literally put a whole bunch of people in jail and actually use the power of the president to do exactly what he was supposed to do the first time, which is throw him in jail and ask for forgiveness. Yeah. Oh, and, no, then, and then, and then, and then scare the crap out of everybody. And then the other thing is, is that we're eight years yeah. on here. Yeah. A lot of people have died, moved on, retired. The, the gatekeeper, a lot of the gatekeepers are gone. And so it's a different world than it was then. And it's a, it's, it's a different world. It really is. And well, I don't know that, happen- I don't know that it's good enough, but it's a different world. I don't like I, this talk of uh, he's going to go in and throw. I mean,
3: is he going to do this in a constitutional manner? I mean, is these people going to be charged with crimes? These people are all freaking traitors. They should be. Is he going to is is issue an executive order to round people up? You don't, you know, I, I, when I was warning people about Bush back in the 90s, I was, they were given all this executive power to the executive. And I said, that's very dangerous because it's, you're going to get presidents you don't like one of these days, like, you know, Biden or whoever. And, and so this idea that, yeah, let's have Trump come in. I mean, you know, I joke that I'd be a good dictator and a bad president. I mean, I, it'd be fun to be a dictator, but we we are America. We don't have a dictator. We have a has to follow the Constitution. We gave the executive branch way too much power. And <laughs> Congress is it, the thing that but you know, on a related note, and then I'll let you guys talk is uh, I was talking. I, I've mentioned a couple of times lately, you know, remember after the 20 the Biden election when Biden won and then uh, the January 6th and then all the the, the election was stolen and all that. Uh the Democrats and 99% of the media were just totally indignant, like, oh my God, they're challenging the integrity of the election. This is this is unacceptable. And and my first thought, nobody ever really brought this up in the media, is didn't you guys for four years after Trump won, er- every day it was Russia? And from Hillary Clinton, she's a she's a she's an election denier as much as anybody, you know, Russia, mm-hmm. Russia, Russia. And so the hypocrisy is it just bugs me. Trump, you know, listen. My two main concerns that I've had on my pin tweet to whoever are are the the warmongers and the kleptocrats, the banksters and all that. That's it. So if you're like Vivek, RFK, um, you know, are with me on those issues. So those are two issues are so important that I'll overlook. A lot of other stuff because there is no perfect candidate that's going to check every box. And Trump talked a good game, but he's proven that he's he doesn't keep his promises. I think just like all politicians, I don't like any of these guys. I I I'm anti. I'm very bipartisan. I hate both parties, and I'm done with them. And so maybe I'm a little different. I have friends that are you know rabid at Trump fans, and I have friends that hate Trump with a passion. So I'm you know I'm I'm Switzerland and all that. I can listen to both sides, but. Anyway, that's just what I wanted to say. I mean, with the hip the media and the way everything's presented is certainly anti uh pro pro-democrat and anti uh, Republican, but I'm not I'm not a fan of the Republicans anymore. You know, I used to be maybe 30, 40 years ago, but they've lost I mean, they lost the long time. Tom's
0: statement ago. that Trump's a different guy now is true and and your statement about um, about be careful because when the other team gets the ball, you're going to be in trouble. Right. I also agree with. So it's it's mm-hmm. like a free speech thing. If you want to shut down free speech, be aware that the, at some point yours will be shut down. Trump,
3: Trump called for shutting down free speech in 2015. I just sent the article to someone the other day.
0: What, mm-hmm. what, I, what I think, though, may be the case is, is that Trump is a very different guy. And he may build a cabinet that is a war cabinet, but it's a civil war cabinet.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and, and that doesn't mean that he will necessarily follow the rules or not follow the rules. I if if he if he gets elected, I hope he follows the rules. And if he follows the rules, I still think he can throw a ton of guys in jail. I think I think there's there's guys who are treasonous. I agree with I agree mm-hmm. with Tom. That. There's guys who should be in jail based on the crap they did. Now mm-hmm. the problem is that will create chaos, and therefore the question is: Do we win if he actually throws deserving people in jail? And the answer is probably not.
3: And so con- fact, the
2: question about the question constitutionality. Let me just get back to this. We have a we have a we have a Department of Justice. When people are, we have Biden is dead. The freaking rights here. The only reason he hasn't been he hasn't been uh, charged by the 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 the. The, the FBI. Well, there's two reasons. One, the FBI is completely corrupt and works for him. And two, he's president. And so he has a certain amount of immunity from that process. But everybody else. Seriously, like you start rolling up the staffers into this one's and that one's and everybody else. Those people who don't have presidential immunity that's perfectly constitutional Rudy you go right after them and the minute you start going after them got news for you everybody else's immunity seems to get you know, the, the political immunity that surrounds these people goes away that's this fine. is so the part of the proce- this is the part of the process that has to and that's already happening look at Muslim media be? matters like who's I, mean, Trump's, so
3: many- who's tr- I, I hear you who's Trump's attorney general going to be Bill Barr no. I don't know Bill Barr's yeah, never going to so. put Joe Biden in jail ever in a million years. You no, can't get not. any more swamp creature than Bill Barr.
2: No, of course not. <laughs> but but again, in, has, in, in, but it, but Rudy, in 2018, who was going to, who was actually going to take the job of Attorney General? Who was actually going to get through a Senate confirmation? It's like, it's like everybody's saying to me, R.F.K. If, Jr. If, Jr. If, if, if Jerome Powell is such is such an oppos- uh, oppositional figure to Joe Biden, why did Joe Biden renominate him? Well, this clearly because they couldn't get because Lael Brainer couldn't get more than thirty votes through the Senate. Okay. That's why. And the same thing about everybody else that could possibly have been his national security advisor that, you know, sec- secretary of state, head of the CIA or anything else like got news for you. When, when the list is this long and the list is all neocons and swap rats, then that's all you get. And no one else would step up. To, no one else of quality would step up because sh- Trump has never shown them any loyalty. I mean, okay. it's just that simple. So now imagine a Senate with trump level co- and congress with trump level coattails where we don't need for example to have Rand paul in the senate anymore because we've got enough because there because trump has enough of a real majority and remember this trump never had a real majority as president i'm not defending trump i think trump is a nightmare but when you go through and you actually look at what he had yeah it was a 52 48 senate but yeah. mitt romney's a democrat susan collins is a democrat lisa murkowski is a democrat the the Liz Ch- uh, Liz Cheney a Democrat. Blah 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 blah. When the reality is, is that Trump never had more than forty-seven votes in the Senate anyway. Well, and so we've never a- been in a situation where we could actually have a uh, actually have a non-Davos shitbag globalist freaking Congress undermining any populist president. Do you? Think, and I think so. I you, don't know. Are you expecting a red wave? If they don't, if if however this works out. If there is not the level of cheating that was that existed in 2020, mm-hmm. yes. Do I believe that there's not going to be a level of cheating that exceeds that of 2020? Well, that's a different question. Mm-hmm. But on the merits of separating out the practicality of whether there's going to be an election versus what will happen if the election is reasonably free and fair, if it's reasonably free and fair, Trump will win in a walk. And he will have coattails that wind up with a 55-45 split in the Senate. And forget the House. The House will be 50 seats. Will that actually happen? Oh, that's a good question. And that's a more open question. That may be the more important question than what happens if Trump actually wins the election. And what his coattails will be. Because it's clear what's out there right now. It's clear oh, from oh, the polls and that. everything I'm, else that there's no way this guy can lose the election. But, of course, that means if that's the case, then there may not even be a fucking election.
1: So I want to go back to the way that he came in in the first place when nobody, none of the polls were actually showing that he was going to be able to get in. Right.
2: I mean, you ask me if I I have to put on my, my, my political strategist hat, right? That's mm-hmm. one thing. When we put on our and that, and then forget, I, this none of this is what I want, right? Like this is that and then there's the, and then there's the other side of it, which is okay, so what's the realm of the possible? What are the re, what are the probabilities of these things occurring? But if you ask me about the low probability event that it's going to be a free and fair election, well no, I think Trump wins in a walk. But I think that's a low but I think that's a 25% probability. Yeah. So.
3: Yeah, well, you guys you guys know me. I focus a lot on the Fed and the monetary policy. So let's say that you get your red wave and Trump comes in, and uh, uh, you know, if you remember, he called for negative interest rates and more mm-hmm. QE. So right. we'll be I'm back. Not, I'm not, that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of Trump. I know. So anyway, I'm just thinking it's kind of like lose lose. I'm looking at a poll the the latest polls today on that Real Clear Politics site for what it's worth for today. They've got, uh, look at this, congressional job approval, approved 16, disapproved 78, a 62 disapprove, plus 62, you know, differential, 16% right. approve of Congress right now. But I bet you 95% of incumbents will win. So what does that say? It either says the voters are idiots and deserve everything they get, or they say, or
2: or it says that there's something really wrong with the electoral process. So the, as, um, I think it's a mixture of both. Yeah. I, I I really do think it's a mixture of both. Um you know, the bigger questions are going to be, I, I think we get that we get down to brass tax. The voters have made it abundantly clear. They wanted to cut in spending. They, they, the, the, the debt is now an issue, right? Yeah. But they don't and, want to cut in their spending, spending for them, their entitlements. Well, Yours you is know, well, is that the case? You know, yeah. the, the reality is, is that we all know that like 40% of jobs could be like gotten rid of tomorrow and. You know, we probably wind up with the same economic efficiency. And I'm not just talking about government jobs. I'm talking about almost every corporate job. Mm-hmm. Like how many jobs out there are really are really useless? And because, uh, you know, how many millennials and, and Zoomers go on TikTok every day to let, to let everybody know that they don't work, mm-hmm. right? Think about it. These, these people are dumb enough that they go, yeah, oh, look at me. I'm not doing anything at work today while I collect my you know $30 an hour paycheck. I'm like, huh. Thank you for letting me know, you know, as a CEO, thank you for letting me know who I get to cut first. Mm-hmm. When when the money dries up and the money is starting to dry up, and this is another reason why this is where we are at five and a half percent interest rates. The bigger question is we should all be talking about is the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room. When, if he is, or when is Jerome Powell going to actually, uh, you know, approve a rate cut? Because I think that that has more going to have more bearing on the election than pretty and the all of it than anything else. Because I'll
0: take the, I'll take the other side of that one. History sure. shows that it. That that the real shit starts hitting the fan when the rate cuts start. Right. So right. the timing of his rate cuts, if they come in 2024 and he starts ramming them down, the election's gonna be right in the middle of a shitstorm.
2: Exactly. I don't think he's gonna cut rates until I so the market clearly wants him to m- cut rates in March. I don't know, look at the SoFer futures curve. It's telling you exactly what the what the what the market's telling you exactly what it wants. It wants 50 basis points by March and then it wants and then it wants a terminal and then it wants a rate of around 3.75% by December. It's pricing in right now the market is pricing in literally seven rate cuts. Correct. You have all of the doves who got told to move their dot up into 2024 from 2025 coming out today literally saying, yeah, I didn't really mean that. You know, I but there was multiple reports that I I read one of which was on Zero Hedge, and I saw another one. I just got something sent to me from a, a friend of mine, literally just got an email about from, well, Wolf Street that came in from Wolf Street saying computer printers corroborating the same thing, which is that a lot of the doves on the FOMC board changed their their dot plot at the last minute after, supposedly because of the, la- the latest bit of information, which the Fed never usually looks at. And so all of a sudden, we got the narrative that the Fed's going to cut rates three times in 2024, at a moment in time when the bond market was already over when the when the when the Bears started to, to put their positions back on after an 85-point rally in the in the bond market. Um, I think that you know there, there was a narrative sold to push another 25 basis points after the Fed meeting on Wednesday. I don't think Powell pivoted. I think the market perceived the pivot because of the dot plot, which was, by the way, That's that's that shit talk started about the dot plot back in June. And remember that Powell, like everybody else, is now beset on all sides by shitbacks. Go back to 20, go back to 2021 before he was he, he was reconfirmed and they took the three biggest hawks off the off the board and they replaced them all, by the way, with commies. They replaced them all oh, with MMT and copies. Like, so now you have a dot plot set up perfectly for when the moment when the market wants desperately needs him to pivot, they can sell the narrative of the pivot by moving the dot plot when they want it. This is all, this is all Jim Sinclair shit. This is all management of perspective economics. When the, when Powell's sitting up there as the top dot, going, I'm not cutting rates. But I'm the
0: pivot doesn't
2: solve anything the day of the pivot. I know it doesn't solve anything, Dave. This is well, all but, about-
0: but 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 you know if the Fed's pivoting and they start driving rates down, it means exactly the opposite of what the optimists think it means. I know. And therefore, know. If the Fed pivots it means that let's go back to the election. Biden will be running or whoever's running for office from the Democrats will be running for office into a downturn.
2: I agree. So they well, don't, uh, but, don't but, but at the same they time, pay. they need to get, but at the same time, they need to get inflation under control and they want the, and they want credit and they want credit loosened or this entire thing is that things are really actually as bad as the bears as like you, like, I know you're more of a bear on this stuff than I am, Dave. So either oh, things are far worse than I, than, than any of us actually, actually think. And this things is going to start unraveling after the first of the year. Why? Well, think this has all been a massive
0: Is something we can't see. So if you look at the right, you look at the job numbers, the inflation numbers. Nothing supports an aggressive pivot. A two-week flip. Nothing supports it. Which means, therefore, something. I think something in the pipes just blew up. Possibly. We're not going to find out what that was, Rudy. Chime in here. We're not going to well, find out what that was mm-hmm. until some number of weeks or months from now,
3: Rudy. First off, the dot plots, other than the the week or two after they come out, have zero predictive value of anything. They're completely worthless. I just retweeted today. I had a, I go back years and years making fun of them because they have no predictive value, uh, first of all. Now, they're good for short-term market moves and getting everybody all excited. I think maybe somebody, I don't know if it was Joseph Wang or someone else told me, uh, I don't know who it was, that um, Powell, you know, the most important person to listen to is Powell. I mean, Powell, what Mester says is completely meaningless. Now, John Williams, because he's New York Fed, He's another goofball, but you maybe should listen to him. But that's about it. You know, they, but they may be trying to undermine him on the dot plot level. I think someone made the point that, like, Powell can control a lot of things, but he, like his speeches and all that, but he can't control what someone puts as their dot. So as, as Tom mentioned, they just got a whole new batch of wackos uh, in as uh, FOMC members. And these guys, I think, serve for... 14 years, something like that. It's absurd. I never realized it was that long. So Powell, once Powell's gone, you know, well, we're you know, Powell was a raging dove during the first few years of his, of his existence. It's only the last couple that he seems to have decided to become Paul Volcker, but although I don't think he's anywhere close to that, but uh, I think they could be trying to undermine him. You know, the staff is. And uh, I think maybe he's one of the reasons he hiked so much so fast, uh, even though it was well-deserved and way overdue was, the, I think he felt I honestly my guess is that he believed the Fed staff when they told him transitory and all that stuff and and now realizes that they're complete idiots and uh and is pissed at them at the staff so that's my pet theory on that the the other thing about the rate cuts is I just yeah, I've been on this for a long time I just uh posted the other day I did a chart where I marked every rate cut for both two thousand seven two thousand and eight and for two thousand one two thousand and three. So, I mean, the first rate cut was in September 18th, 2007, uh, the last time. And uh, it was 50 bips cut to from five and a quarter, just like what now, to 4.75. And they wrote it all the way down uh, for the next uh, couple of years until, you know, the S&P was cut in half. And even in a 103, you know, the dot-com started to break in 2000, but the mm-hmm. rest of the market held up pretty good. But the first cut in, 2000, in that cycle was January 2001. So, and then... You, the market is just straight down from there. So uh, these people that are like wishing for—I keep saying—do you wish for a rate cut? You be careful what you wish for because historically that means you got some really bad times coming. So uh, you know, so I don't—I I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. I—I I, I can't see them cut uh, raising because it seems even Powell doesn't want to do that. But but maybe staying flat for a while. And then there's the whole other issue of Q-2, I think staying flat is, is, is fine. I think that's five. Five is fine i think
2: five thats 5 Pat- is- 5
3: it's a historically average number. It's it's a it's a it goes. I mean, back decades ago, five was like a reasonable number, you know. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, but but five will blow up
0: the system too. In the because of
3: the zero percent, that Jim right, Grant, great right, quote. He right. says it was the years of zero percent that made a five percent rate dangerous. That's
0: right. So right. five. And so, so that's why. And
2: that's why you have to kind of almost say the same. Uh, just to, just to push back. I think you have to almost look at 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 Powell as Volcker. Because if he hadn't gone back to five and a half percent, I mean, Volcker had the balance sheet room to go to thirteen. Does does Powell have that right? That, that balance sheet room? Of course he doesn't. And moreover, again, the 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 story about transitory inflation, I really do think it has more to do with the fact that Biden wouldn't reconfirm Powell. I think Powell wanted to start cutting, start raising rates in October of twenty twenty one, but he couldn't get a rent, but he couldn't because Biden was holding his reconfirmation over his head.
3: Yeah.
2: So, you know, I think it's a mixture of both. I think, you know, that's just, that's part of the story that Danielle, Dino you know, Booth has put out. I think it's a bit, I think it's, a, I think it's, it's, it's both of those things. Dave, you were going to say.
0: Um, if rates sit at five, the, the short-term debt that companies in Wall Street has will start choking them spontaneously. This is a book far idea, basically, and so, so, so they don't have to hike rates to choke them more because because the balloon loans are all going to blow up. I have if you I have another. If you can't uh, run a
3: business at five percent rates, you don't deserve to be in business. Is my old school. I know. Thing. I know.
0: That, that's sorry, exactly Tom. Right. No, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I agree. I, I want to see.
3: No, I meant, meant
2: sorry interrupting, Tom Bodrovic, So okay.
0: <laughs> I want to yeah. see. I want to see the carnage. It's due.
2: Okay, I agree. Tom, you were going to say.
0: What I am saying is, is that if if they hold at five percent, you've got a ton of debt that's sure. sitting at two percent, one percent. It will now roll over. They were they are essentially balloon loans.
2: Well, they did. And, get, and they we will did roll roll just over
0: the next year or two.
2: Well, you know, we do also now have a uh, have a have. You know, Janet Ellen has no excuse not to start issuing ten years. Third three point nine percent. It's now time to start selling tens. That I know the corp- I know the corporate debt situation is you know is is an issue, and I know that the banks are in trouble. I'm not arguing with you, but something needs to something needs to die. Tom was you were going to say, Tom?
1: I was gonna I was gonna present this idea to you guys. This comes from David Jensen, Substack former guest of the show. I read it this morning. He said, "What did change this past week was a sudden decline over three days of 155 billion in the overnight reverse repo market." accounts at the Fed from $838 billion down to $683 billion, an 18.5% decline where banks hold their excess cash reserves. Market analysts had set $700 billion as the estimated point of reverse repo holdings below which would signal the more marginal banks being forced to start to have to liquidate impaired assets into the market to meet liquidity requirements. So he's bringing it up that it's the banking system's issue. right? Well, Rudy not, and I I'm and not, not going to
2: argue with that. I with that, right? I'm yeah, got, I'm not going to argue with that. That's, I'm going uh, that, to defer to Joseph
3: a... Wang on stuff like that. <laughs> or people like What's him, you. Know, here,
0: Rudy, so
1: you got on it. the
3: RRP, um yeah, I I do wish we would con- I think months many months ago I said, "You know what? I care less about the rates than um you know, I'm not trying to, to hike rates further. Uh than I am the 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 uh the balance sheet, which I think really um is what really exacerbated the Cantillon effect and and the wealth inequality. So uh, that's really gone nowhere, I think. I mean, it's down. So we're at you know, s- you know, seven point seven trillion instead of eight point whatever trillion, almost nine trillion. You've pulled over a trillion dollars
2: off the balance sheet. Yeah. that's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, but you know
3: what? They were they bought they bought five hundred billion of um, of MBS in like two you know two months in in twenty twenty. I mean, and we're up here at we're still at seven point seven billion trillion up from around four trillion before 2020 and up from under a trillion you know back in the day you know i, I like posting the video of ben bernanke telling ron paul that he's gonna have the balance sheet under a trillion dollars and okay wow. you know we've had a little inflation but i mean we're still at 7.7 and I, and what what really really i think is the most egregious and i'll let you guys take that is the mbs the mortgage-backed securities they did. They own zero in two thousand eight, and they still own like two and a half trillion. It's it's a it's absurd, and it it really helped distort our mortgage market, even when houses were already going up twenty percent year over year. And it affects rents too. It affects everybody. They, they they have no business being in the mortgage market in that manner.
0: Well, you also have all the private equity guys who own something like a hundred thousand
3: residential homes. Oh, way more than that. But yeah, yeah, right. But they're going to have to liquidate them. Good. Sell them to single families. No, no no no.
0: I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it will be <laughs> consequential.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, if Barry Sternlick goes under this round this uh, this round oh, I'm not going to shed any tears. Yeah. You know, and yeah, you were saying you were saying Rudy they they borrowed at 2% now we're at 5%. Well, uh, unless you've you were born in, you know, 10 years ago, did you really think that we were going to have 0% rate or 2% rates forever? I mean, do you have no sense of history? You know, yes. Well, that's then. You know what? You deserve to fail. I, I
2: agreed. I, I'm no argument that I think that I think we're gonna have. I mean, everybody's like like screaming that we're gonna get out of 13 years worth of the zero bound, you know, money insanity, and that right. somehow not, nobody's gonna get their fucking hair must. Let's
3: like this is the way. I mean, listen, to
2: the way everybody try, talks about this It's like, no, yeah, a lot of people are gonna go broke. And, and the argument is the biggest tension in all the arguments that we're all making is whether or not we actually believe the Fed is not going to bail everybody out this time. The yeah, question we, is whether or not the Fed is going to allow certain people, certain people to bail. And that's the big question. Yeah.
0: I don't I, I think the assumption that they have the power to make that decision may that ship may have sailed.
2: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Right. So you're you're looking up the hill and there's an avalanche coming. You say, "Oh, you got to stop the avalanche." Sorry. I it's
2: coming. Well, I, I, and this is a, and this this gets into a bigger question, which of course is the big one. Central banking is a confidence game. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. We, yeah. as long as we believe in the ability of the central bank to manage all the risks and if it's got the balance sheet room, which is to to Rudy's argument about the balance sheet. Right? That the Fed's balance sheet is enormous, and yes, Powell has Powell's whole goal is clearly to just keep rates at around five percent and do QT and keep shrinking the balance sheet. That's his goal. That's
0: what well, he wants to do. Why did he say three cuts? Was that just to bluff the market?
2: He said the He said the FOMC feels that we should have three three rate cuts oh, in twenty twenty four. He didn't no. say I believe that, that we should have three. Ask
0: language then. That was crazy. oh yeah, no,
2: absolutely. It's no different than Putin turning around and saying the Anglo-Saxons are the ones calling the shots in Ukraine, which means the Brits as opposed to the Americans. You have to watch this stuff very, very carefully. Everybody overreacted. Powell did not talk in personal terms at the presser. He was very clear that this was the opinion of the FOMC board. Now, you can in in the past, he said, yeah, I see. You know, he's there's a shift in absolutely a shift in language. Like this is important. Especially at this moment in time. So we'll see what happens. I'm not again, I don't know what's gonna happen here. And I expect a whole bunch of people to get 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 screwed, but I hope that people get screwed. I mean, I hate to say this, but we have to have people who made bad bets being liquidated if we want to have private formation of capital. Right? Period. Okay, I mean, the winners and losers in the government shouldn't be picking them. And at zero percent, everybody was a winner. Except the taxpayers. Except- Except savers and yeah. Except the savers and the taxpayers. Yes. Agreed. Right. If and they now cut, and so now the big question is, you know, is Powell like doing this for the savers to rebuild the pool of real savings within the economy? Because that's if he if 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 so, then yeah, if he's an MMT or which I don't think he is, no, then uh you know, if that were the case, if he's 20- no, if he's no functionally different than Lael Brainerd, then why did Biden not just send him through in October of twenty twenty one?
0: So this is the this is what seems to be implicit in the statement about getting us to save again is the idea. I I, I think we're past the fail safe point. I think there's got to be a default, in which we then dust ourselves off, and then get our act together. So I I, I don't I, I, think I, we can get out of this mess by blocking and tackling.
2: No, I don't know. I maybe I don't know. I know that that you it all depends on the severity of the quote unquote default. But the big one is that we have to get control of the fucking boomers in Congress and have them stop, have them cut spending by a trillion and a half.
0: Good luck with that.
1: Good luck. I was going to say, yeah. what do you think the, the likelihood well, of I that Well, I mean,
2: here's the, is? I mean, I don't know. That's the big question. Yeah. We, we, we don't have, zero. we don't have, a we don't have a rhino as speaker of the house anymore. When did anybody it's think zero. that that was going to happen? That we have a California rhino, literally, literally a guy you know, as, as, as worse a possible person as possible running the house as who could be a a quote unquote Republican. Like Mike Johnson has not been great on certain issues. And of course the Republicans are never good on domestic surveillance and all the rest of it. But you know, if we get anywhere close to single issue spending bills and any, anything imaginable between, but it's going to take until the election to get this done because there's enough inertia And blockage within Congress itself, because of the Senate, because of the makeup of the Senate, that nothing's going to happen between now and then. What has to happen now is the signal of the intention that we are going to do that.
0: Okay, let me ask you. The market will,
2: and the markets will reward us if we if we start down that path. This is not a
0: rhetorical question. When was the last time government seriously cut
2: spending in the United States? Yes. In the dollar reserve system? No.
0: The last they we haven't. Say, Look, we I agree.
2: Right. But at, at another point, when in the past, Dave, has the American government been out of balance sheet room to be able to make that decision, be forced mm-hmm. to make that decision? Every time in the past, I had this I had a long conversation with Kate Long about this multiple times, and she kept making the point. And she's right. We always inflated. And always kept spending because we had the balance sheet room to do so. And we could always lower interest rates again. We are clearly not at that moment in time. This is not I, the same I, I as every think, I, as every other time in the past. It's I not. I don't think they'll decide to cut spending. I think
0: they will do whatever they do that will well, set us right into the bridge above
2: we well, it. Well, if we're not going to cut spending, then this, is, then this is over and done with. And if they are going to cut spending, then it's not a done deal. And we the bigger know. question is: the bigger question is, do we want to survive as a as a thing? Because look, the United States superpower is that it's never defaulted on its debt. That's right. why the dollar is still the reserve we, standard.
3: We, didn't we default, default in thirty three and seventy one and I think sixty eight? We, we defaulted, we defaulted on debt, Rudy. Did we default on the well, debt? Well, we
2: defaulted on. I mean, we we on defaulted money. on money. I mean, we. <laughs> well, we it's, said it, it again, yeah. again. Depending on how you want to define the statement, we have never defaulted on a bond. Yeah, because they have a printing press. Well, of course they're never going yes, to. Why would because you? we've added because we've added power to the printing press the entire time. I right. agree, but we've done it now, and we're and of all the modern nation states, we're the only ones that haven't done it.
0: But but now you're I, you know I, I mean I I'm, not, to, I'm not here argue to argue against
2: the theoretic ideal here. I'm here to argue against everybody else that we everybody else because in the great, great game of global capital, the only thing you have to beat this is the bear this is why they want inflation so much in
3: reality is because it's a stealth default. It's like, uh, I even quoted Ray Dalio the other day. You He know, says, you got your bonds, but they don't have enough money. So you're either gonna get half back or you're going to get the full amount and it's just not going to buy you anything. It's going to buy you half. So that's what our choice is. So we the choice isn't default or not default. We're going to default. It's just they wanted well, to for negotiation. Yeah. But the mm-hmm. answer to someone's question, maybe Dave, did we have a surplus? Well, I don't know about how they calculate this, but we had a surplus in 2000. And yeah. and I'm looking at the the FRED chart right now, federal sur- surplus or deficit, and frankly from 1900 to about 1971 which is about where everything goes off the rails there it was basically a flat line it would bounce a little around the zero line and then once and then once we hit let's see 75 maybe 74 it started going negative and then it was negative and then somehow clinton got it back to a positive and then it's been negative ever since ever since 2000 uh,
0: Clinton's positive was also a Potemkin budget. Well,
3: I agree. I agree. I'm just saying. Okay, then that means even these numbers. uh, You know, 1.6 trillion. You know, three trillion deficit in 2020. Those are even worse, right? If if you know if Clinton's was a mirage, then this is way worse now. But back to the
0: government. I want to get back to the government. All right. I don't think those guys know how to stop spending.
3: They don't. So
0: so so we, we so the point. My my point being is that they will force us to drive into the bridge abutment. They're, they're not going to all of a sudden wake up and say you know they're not going to wake up in their environment and say okay we have to straighten out now.
2: Agreed.
3: They're
0: going
2: to already again. On- again right. going to choose inflation. I mean, they're going to choose it's, inflation. It, look, David, Look, I'm not going to argue. It's the it's not the base case, and that you shouldn't be expecting that be the be the base case. But the other but on the other side of that, okay, is that every at every iteration in the past. You don't have to, you don't, for. you don't, ch- you don't change behavior until you've woken up in your own vomit. <laughs> okay. Until, a- until you get the, oh, I have to stop smoking because now I've got a spot on my lung. Okay. But my point is. No, they won't and people don't change, don't change behavior. Kill. So we as a society have to decide whether or not we're going to look into the abyss and pull out of it again. Like, I, you will, know. It, they
0: will not steer out of the skid though, is the point. I, I don't think depends, I it, it, it,
2: again, it depends on how this election goes, I don't because so. if we get more of the exact same that we got in every election in the past, we got more of this. Oh, let's just keep pushing the same stupid freaking people in the Congress who have all of these same you know relationships and are corrupt and all the rest of it. I'm not I'm again not a Pollyanna here. I, I my own is the is the low is the low probability scenario. What I'm arguing for. Yours is the high probability scenario. I would argue yours
0: is the zero and mine's the hundred.
2: I don't think it's, I don't think it's a hundred and zero though. Because I think that we are, I think we're on the cusp of a, Dave, I I think we're on the cusp of a generational divide and generational change within the power, within the power system of Congress, within the power dynamics of commerce. It's either that, or you can say goodbye to the 50 state compact and you can say goodbye to the United States as we know it. we all go see Alex Garland's new civil war movie in March when it comes out, because that's what we're staring at.
0: That's the problem is, is that I think that's what we're staring at, because I think the guys who have their hands on the wheel do not have any capability whatsoever of steering out of the skid. I don't see a stratum. I mean we're dumb. How can you possibly be looking at a 10 percent year-over-year growth in debt and be giving Ukrainians 100 billion dollars? Again, again,
2: the people who are currently steering this ship are vandals intent on destroying the country.
3: They are not,
2: they are not, they are not incompetent manager lieutenants who are just corrupt. No, these people are be- fucking vandals Dave you know this as well as I, I do so now if we get rid of half of those people and they no longer have a majority in Congress then the vandals don't get to set fucking policy anymore that's the argument so now the question is are we actually going to have an election <laughs> well the people who put all these fucking vandals in power are going to do everything imaginable to ensure that we don't have a real election so yeah my base case is smoke them if you got them boys this whole thing is going to fucking explode in fucking four years no argument but it's not a zero but it's a non-zero probability hey, that hey, something else on. could happen otherwise what in the fuck are we talking about why <laughs> are not we on. even wasting our fucking time
3: hang on you just you just were giving faint praise to the the speaker of the house you know like hey he's not a rhino yeah they're kind of bad on the civil rights stuff but okay if you're worried about a fixed election who's going to fix it? it's going to be intelligence agencies you know maybe that is a major issue that's why i keep
2: getting back to you, no, you Was I- happening in the courts rudy It's happening in the courts as we, as we speak every day, there's another, yet another one of these idiotic friggin' uh, the, these idiotic, um, uh, uh, the, the, we had no, the, the, the stuff about all what happened in 2020, these, all these, all all these, these cases are being fought and they're, and they're being won. I'm not, again, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I refuse to be blackpilled about this. I just refuse. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. fundamentally refuse to be black pilled. I'm happy to be gray pilled. I'm happy to be dark gray pilled. I am not happy to, I am not willing to be black pilled. I do believe that there are people actually fighting for the future of this country and they are in positions to do something about it. Whether or not they will be successful or not is a completely different issue. Happy to argue that, but I will not accept any, And there's too much fucking evidence to the contrary. And there's too much evidence that the, the American people don't want it. So now yeah. the question is whether or not we're going to just stand around idly and go, "Well, shit," and you know, America's Got Talent's on. Here's the analogy. There's a, I, I, a town. I just can't California. do this. Like, I don't there
0: know. A, there was a town in California that was said, "Look, we got to cut twenty percent of our water consumption." Right, and that's a real straightforward thing. You go, of course, everyone could cut twenty percent of their water consumption. Everybody could, right? Mm-hmm. When they finally did the bean count at the end of the year, they had cut three. That's what that's the kind of world that we're in. I we we have a 97% re-election rate. I I I I I think it's I think it's it's as probable as a stone picking up energy and jumping up in the air to me. That's the sort of the probability. It could I'm, happen I'm, theoretically. I'm
1: surprised Dave that you didn't say it got raised by 3. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this is something that I wanted to get your guys' take on Rudy or Tom, I think it was, I saw a post recently of these French farmers spraying manure onto government buildings. Right. Mm -hmm. And something that Rudy wrote about recently was really American people don't protest like the French do. Right. Mm -hmm. To Rudy's point, there aren't people protesting like the French did to Louis the 16th or to Nixon. At least they showed up to be told that the ruler of the time doesn't care about them. So why don't we see that in America? And what do you think changes if all of a sudden we do get, you know, true rioting, quote unquote, like we saw on January 6th? <sighs> so
3: maybe are the first probability. I don't want true rioting like that. That I doesn't don't solve anything. That doesn't no. solve a damn thing.
2: No, totally. no, no, it I, doesn't. The, but, but the, 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 the is tax revolt. I'm problem. more encouraged by the tax revolt in, in Western Canada than I am anything else. It's fair enough. Daniel yeah. Smith and 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 Scott Moe just saying, you know what? We're not going to collect the carbon tax. Yeah, like that's more effective.
3: Well, that's like where I where I, you know uh, uh, some of the COVID laws were just not enforced by the by the locals uh, county sheriff here in yeah. California. Exactly. They just weren't. So enforced. That's what you like, need. There's going to be a whole
2: lot of that. I yeah. agree. This is. I think there's just a whole lot of ungovernable that goes on, and everybody just like they all they all say, you know, you you have to do X, Y, and Z tomorrow, and we're like. Yeah. Yeah. We're not doing that. Right. You're like, but, but, but we said you had to, and we're from the government and we said you had to do it. We're like, yeah, that's nice, but we're not doing that. So uh, where are your guns? Tragic boating accident. Like, you know what I mean? Like this, and, and get used to that phrase that there's going to be a lot of that. And I think that the, the biggest, and again, Dave, to your point, I'm not arguing that we have a default scenario in front of us and that we we have two, we have two choices. You can either let the price of gold rise in order to off, offset some of the default in order to uh, in order to offset some of the loss in the balance sheet um, of the country and then start the process of, of of unwinding that the the bills that that have come due. I, I, at the end of the day, they've never they've never cut spending because they've never had they've never been able to get through the the blocking of. The spending, right, so like. Let's see if we get, you know, a single issue spending bill through. Let's see because if that happens. Let's see if we get a single department spending bill through actual, actually, this Congress and see what happens.
0: Harry It'd be nice Truman.
2: Harry Truman set up a commission to
0: to plow through various government waste and cut it, and they mm-hmm. did a pretty good job. That that is my answer to my question, as far and I don't know what that did to the overall budget, but examples that precede nineteen seventy. Also turn out to include periods where the US was so so economically dominant, so powerful, that that it was possible. You know, when Volcker drove rates to 15, everyone says, Well, we could do that. I go, No, we couldn't, not now. No. no, we can't. And so there's things we cannot do now. And with with the debt climbing 10% in one year. That is discouraging because it doesn't take too many of those before the death spiral is absolutely officially in high
3: gear.
2: Wars right? and empires are very expensive. And and, and, and Janet Yellen telling us that we can afford both we can afford two wars and and, and all the rest of it. It's clearly these are people that were put in power to lie to destroy the country. Yeah, He's opposed it. And so that's the and that's the and, and that's just the way things are. So now wealthy, the question though. is, what are we going to do about it? And to Tom's point, I don't know that 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 um, that armed you know revolt or whatever is is what it is. I don't think that's that's the answer. The answer is that at some point everybody just starts going into the tax revolt. It means that governors just stop listening and they no, just start that, doing their thing. No,
0: no, that that dis- I distinguish the armed revolt being the answer to being the outcome.
2: Well, it is the outcome,
0: right? So, so, no matter what happens, any revolution, with the exception of the American Revolution, you don't end up better off, at least in the short term.
2: Correct. No,
0: you always end up worse off. Mm
2: Of course, we're and you know we're being pulled apart at the seams, right? And now the question is, and and there's no argument about this, and and invariably, whenever we have this conversation, somebody says, "Well, what do you do?" You know, the interviewer always asks me the same question: "What do we do about this?" Well, you start looking to your local communities. You start making sure that you're. That you're, you know, that you, you know, your local butcher and you know, your local cow farmer and you know, you know, the local meat processor and, and guy who works on the guy who can replace tires and, you know, whatever, and like, that's what we need. And, and, you know, like, if you're worried about your community, you worry about your local bank going belly up, well, maybe you should, you know, think about, you know, whatever you're saving, make sure that, you know, the, the money winds up in their accounts as opposed to somewhere else. Yeah, but I can get 20 basis points you know in the market. Well, yeah, but does that help your local community? No, it doesn't. What helps your local community is making sure that your local bank is actually solvent. Because, you know, that's how your business, that's how the restaurant down the road is going to keep staying staying in business and it's going to, you know, make sure that the that the office supply shop stays open and blah, 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 blah. I mean, this is the way this this is the thing we've lost. And this is the most pernicious part about this whole fucking reliance on central banks to be the, to be the 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 arbiters of 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 uh, of cool when it comes to credit. Like, fuck it. This is all horse shit. Like, but, you know, where are we going to, you know, where is this, you know, how is this going to end? And the people in Washington, D.C. are completely disconnected from reality. No argument there. They live in this unbelievable bubble. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that the best way to make sure that these people have no power is, well, you know, take the fucking money away from them and put the fear of God into them. The fear of God, of course, is us. Now the question, the question is: is How are you going to do that? How are you going to do that in such a way that one, you can advocate for it on YouTube without getting, like, you know, having the FBI show up at your door? One, and then two: How do you advocate it in any any damn way that that's going to make it the difference?
0: Well, that's why January sixth was so goddamn historically important because they showed the awesome power of the state mm-hmm. after January sixth. Mm-hmm. yep they basically said if you go against us we're going to hurt you like you can't imagine yeah well yep. dave to that i point, guess and
1: and something that rudy you kind of picked up on as well something i want to get your guys' opinions on is how you know really now four years on how covid affected the let's say the psyche of the west now people are starting to see the actual downstream effects of what what the actual conditions were, where this came from, what the effect or what the solutions, quote unquote solutions, were from government and how that has maybe changed the opinion of a lot of people or brought to light how government actually runs. And what effect do you think that ends up having on, let's say, the psyche of the American people?
0: We want like to go first. Well, it's well, just uh, I COVID, COVID did several things. One is it took out that small business that Tom says we depend on correctly. And 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 if if COVID was a narrative that was intentional rather than you know, Hanlon's razors don't chalk off to malice, which you can attribute to incompetence, Column's razors don't chalk off to incompetence, which you can attribute to malice. I, I think I think Hanlon must have been a CIA guy. Um and, and so it it looks to me like it was an intention to destroy small business, to take us out at the kneecaps. And, and I can't make a, a ba- I just can't explain why Walmart stayed open and and bob's 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 uh, a hardware store didn't. and And so they took out small business. They've left everybody, I think everybody psychologically damaged even if they don't realize it. So I think we're all wounded by COVID. I had a job, I had a paycheck the whole way, but but somehow I I walk around and I look around and I feel like people are just kind of putting one foot in front of the next. There seems to be some like I'm in some sci-fi movie and and the aliens like the pod people have taken over and the the, the world just doesn't look like it's the same to me, and I think that's a pervasive problem. And then and then um um I. If, if you trust credentialed experts after COVID, you've lost your mind. So the silver lining, in my opinion, is that, that COVID is probably going to undermine the climate grift. And, and, and people are gonna say, and, and apparently the, the people supporting the idea that climate change is real has dropped by 20%. And that means they said, well, they lied about COVID, Maybe they're lying about climate change. Then you start reading absurd articles. You go, well, that's a lie, right? And so, um, no, I think it's uh, it's authoritarianism creeping in, and I don't see where we've won a battle yet. I don't see where the good guys have won a battle. It seems, and, and as soon as we think, okay, we dealt with that, right? You know, when I hear Merrick Garland sit up in front of Congress and say that the protesters killed five cops, he said that. That's a pathological line from our attorney general. Pathological line. To me, that's, he's treasonous to me. I, treason might be too strong a word, but there's a ton of people who could be convicted of treason. And, and one side of my brain says, as Rudy would suggest, there's no, there's no way you win. If Trump gets an office and says, "Okay, we're going to go after the bad guys, it's going to get ugly. But I've got a revenge streak in me. I'm sitting there going, but I kind of would like to see that. (laughs) And there's a lot of people. Richmond, north of Richmond, that song took root because there are a lot of people are angry and it's non-denominational anger. And by the way, Tom once made reference to COVID digging in like a a tick. Dug in like a tick last time we were on the air together. uh, inflation is dug in like a tick. We've got union movements all over. we got people demanding higher wages. They'll get more money to buy what they can't afford to buy right now. But then the Fed will say, well, that's inflationary and step on it. And then we've got TikTokers who at first they get shat on because they go, you know, I have a job and this and that. And, and, and now at the end of the, you know, after I paid this bill, this bill, this bill, I've got $93 left. These are potentially the employed homeless. We've got a huge problem now, and the, the, the student loan problem, you can't just erase it, but you've also got a generation which is completely hogtied by it. And so I think you have to come up with a way to say, look, you got to pay X percent over the next X years, Y years, so that you have some responsibility for what you did, but there's an exit channel. But right now, we just have people who feel hopeless, right, college-educated, hopeless. And and they can't even do something. How many people you have to divert from doing something innovative, like start Microsoft, or start Dell, or start whatever, because they've got a student loan, so they have to go get a cubicle job to pay off their student loans. How many people do you have to divert from doing something grand? Before you've hurt the economy, the answer is a couple, not many. So, if everyone's trying to pay off the student loans at any by any mechanism, then innovation's going to go on the tubes.
2: The, the The solution to a lot of the student debt problem, certainly with the older student debt problem, is very simple: total up everything that you've paid in so far in tax and and that you've paid in, and subtract that from the principal. And waive all the interest and in fees and all the interest and in penalties, which are all bullshit anyway, at this point. And that would take and that would that is not forgiveness. These people have paid back their principal, probably more than more over than they've already paid back. I know people who have paid back more than they borrowed. Absolutely. And they owe more than they borrowed. Right. I know these people and too. I and 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 I'm sorry, but that, that's not debt forgiveness. That's not, that's just, yep. You know what? We're done. Yeah, consider that bill paid, and that would free up a lot of the people you just described, Dave. And Not note bad. how if you want to be angry with the fucking banks, be angry about that. Because well, here that, I have another
0: plan for student student paying off student uh, paying for college. Hmm. What you do is you bring in the private sector, you sell tranches for for your university, and and the the debt package might be a hundred million dollars. And the students who this money is allocated to pay back some percentage over some percent number of years. Mm-hmm. And if, if, if the private free market looks at this and says, well, that percentage of, of a salary over that many years is not going to be worth anything, then that college goes out of business. And they should go out of business. Yep. If, if their college educations are not self-extinguishing then they should
2: go out of business, period. And and Rudy, you invoked the great Ron Paul earlier in the podcast. What does Ron always say? When you subsidize something, you get more of it. Yep. To, 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 To Dave's point, just now, how many colleges do we have out there right now that we've subsidized into existence that we don't need? Look at the endowments of some of these
3: colleges. Why are taxpayers on the hook for loans for to go to those schools? Look at Harvard, for example. And and I hope a lot of people are rethinking sending their kids for a hundred grand a year to some school to be taught to hate themselves too. You know, i a oh, big yeah. Oh absolutely. Big, Big fan of the uh, two-year colleges, junior colleges, and uh, yeah. get a Frank get a STEM schools. degree or get something useful. Get become a or don't even go to college and become a welder or a, yeah. a plumber or something. Some of the well well-off guys do the I whole micro do
2: the whole micro thing. Like they own a, you know, they own get the micro sweat pledge things. and do the thing.
3: Yeah, and by the way, if you're if you're Harvard smart and you become a plumber, you're going to own a plumbing company soon. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. These guys end up owning the companies, and then, you know, they, it's good to know the whole business that you're that you're own. I want to get. I just want to go through. I didn't say much about uh, uh, COVID. I definitely agree with Dave. Uh, it's a very understated point that it was a war on small business. I think the government's, as I've said for years, we have a fascist partnership in this country between big business and big government. So big, big business and big government—they're hand in hand. The small businesses are just kind of an annoyance. So that's key. It was an attack on small business. It also was an attack on our civil liberties. Hundred uh, yeah. uh, percent. Uh, we had people that were like, "Yeah, I think it's reasonable that you should have to have a passport to go buy a sandwich." You know, uh, it's insane. People went nuts. I have many examples that I've posted over the over the last few years of it. Um, I, so I think people learned. And and anyone, it was also anti-science. It was, you know, how, if you had a nickel, if you had took one drink every time you heard it's about the science, you'd be dead because. Mm-hmm. They kept saying that, and it was a lie. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Richard Feynman has a great quote where he says, "You know, the, th- the science is about questioning the experts." Okay, literally, he said that. So, mm-hmm. um, the it, if you said anything, and the the other thing is, everything was presented as absolute fact, every hundred percent absolute fact. You know, COVID. Yeah. Once you have the vaccine, Rachel Maddow watched that whole thing. Once you have the vaccine, it stops there. You cannot spread it. You cannot. Well, we knew very early on that that was not true. The vaccinated people caught COVID and spread COVID. And there that blows up the entire argument for vaccine passports, by the way. And so anyway, and anyone who questioned that, raise their hand and say, well, hang on. I I caught it from a vaccinated. No, no, no. You're you're ban- you were demonetized, as Tom mentions. You were, you were fired. You were, mm-hmm. you were uh, canceled or or mm-hmm. or banned from Twitter, like a lot of people were that I know. Um and and it's nice. One thing about Musk owning the thing is you can now say things like I'm saying right now without being insta banned, you know, which is nice. Although he still bans people for for bad reasons uh so but let's put a lot more emphasis on civil liberties okay because it affects everything we do that's all we that distinguishes us americans really is the bill of rights if you think about it. i mean we and so many people are anti-free speech now and anti-second amendment and it's just insane to me uh, uh the other thing about COVID, i think is that you you learn that a lot of people want to be told what to do um you also learn that there's a lot of Americans who would willfully join the American version of the Stasi and report on their neighbors. I've, I've mm-hmm. tweeted examples of that. You also mm-hmm. learn that um, for those who weren't already aware, it's quite clear the government was willing to lie to you a bald face, to your face. And so yeah. I think uh, the, the trust now is at its lowest level, as the survey, I, the poll I just was mentioning earlier, indicates. Um, I, and the other thing I want to mention is January 6th. Uh, <laughs> that was the most obvious honey pot or honey trap, or whatever you want to call it, I've ever seen Absolutely. in my life. And oh, yeah. and 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 I even tweeted out that day. I go, you guys, knock it off. Come, go, go home. I'm gonna start playing, tweeting music out. You know, I'll be a DJ. It was so obvious. Who gained the most from that day? The national security state. Okay, enough said. Nice. Um, the other thing. Uh, there's a great Lennon, John Lennon quote that says, "You know, uh, once you use violence, they know how to handle you." It is the only thing they don't know how to handle is uh, nonviolence and uh, humor, which I which I try to espouse here, uh, and the civil war stuff. I don't think it necessarily has to end with the civil war. Uh, that's that's what that's Noah Smith talking back in 2020. He was basically predicting that the U.S. would split and we'd have, the military would turn on itself and all this other nonsense. You know, I mentioned when I was talking to Dimitri Kofinas a few weeks ago you know everyone thinks that this is like the worst period in US history you know and you know we did fight an actual civil war people forget but I, although most people couldn't name the sides but we growing up i had the 60s and the 70s and we had a lot of bad stuff going down then we had a lot of division we had a lot of rioting we had a lot of crime uh, we had some horrendous defeats the you know we we got you know uh, fall of saigon we had the the uh, the iranian hostage thing we had that the failed Uh, rescue attempt in the desert in 1980 in Iran. Um, And we were just feeling kicked in the guts and we were feeling terrible and probably we're feeling kind of like we're feeling right now. Like we can't trust the government. We can't do anything right. Uh, Now the debt burden of course is infinitely worse now, but uh, we had uh, Reagan come along and under similar circumstances, I think the Trump, now I'm not, I said I'm not comparing Trump and Reagan, but Reagan, if you remember was a famous guy, actor, you know, governor, but he was very inclusive and self-deprecating and open to his enemies. If someone was – and remember, they were calling him Nazi back then, just like they called Trump. And But he didn't go out of his way to antagonize the people who didn't vote for him. He always would try to bring them in. And I think Trump did the opposite. He always was trying to you know, antagonize his enemies even more. And that turned off a lot of the swing voters, the middle voters. So I think we don't have to have oh, this war that the, the people want. By the way, I think the, the left would – lose overwhelmingly but anyway uh, we can we can work this out we've been through tough times before we have a very good constitution in spite of the the local judges the Supreme Court seems to be fairly you know it stops some of the crazier stuff Um, anyway I'm just saying don't I I, you know and I agree with Tom you know local your family your neighborhood you know uh, that's most important and your local politicians too but um, anyway I I try to have a little bit more optimistic view of things and uh, maybe I'm just delusional but
2: that's well the, the 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 point is that you know I, I you know it's funny I just got finished working on this month's issue the the, the newsletter and in it it I, I take my I think even myself the task I say well I remember you know every election is the biggest election ever mm-hmm. right doesn't matter you know, like 2020 2016 2012 like all, every fed going media. all the way back to you know when I was in my 30s thinking that we'll never survive an Al Gore presidency right right Okay. And then there's always the the great quote from Lou Rockwell saying, you know, every sitting president will make you wistful for the guy who just left the office. Right. Um, I never felt that about Trump and Obama, but other than no matter how bad Trump was, I never wanted Obama back. Like right. just the drone striker in chief needed to needed to go. Unfortunately, he's back well, now.
3: It, it's a um, brief, the way I phrased it is I, I didn't I didn't vote for Trump. I probably I think I voted for Ron Paul, but I was never, ever sorry that Hillary won. I mean Hillary lost. Never sorry.
2: Right. That sorry most Hillary people won. voted against it. Uh, there's a number of reasons why right. Trump won. Not the least of which was that a lot of people were just voting against Hillary Clinton. Correct. Um but in this time, this go around it will be different. Um I have no problem with I have I, I am again as a as a as a strategist, I say Trump is a, gonna be a mixed bag a dicks, just like he always is. Um, and I think in some ways he'll be fine. He'll do the, he'll do some some um, as a man scorned, he will do certain things that need to be done. He will alienate people in, along the way. But we're at the point now where a little alienation of the people who have been unfairly running things from the moral high ground, yeah, that needs to fucking happen. Okay, the people who have been absolute un- un- ungodly freaking traitors, like Dave pointed out, I oh, I think they should go to jail so, in some way, manner, shape, or form. I'm not I, like I'm not I'm 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 just Sicilian enough to understand that like th- that there are certain things in this life have to happen, and that if people do not understand that that there are consequences to acting like a shitbag and and acting knowingly with intent to destroy other people's lives, yeah, you should go to jail. Like, or you should be, you should have the consequences of your actions thrown back at you. A little accountability would be, would be really nice. I'd
3: love to see that. We don't all need, the I, again,
2: a little accountability. I, the the <laughs> big people need to go. But like, like we're at the point now where you think Anthony Fauci, if he were to be indicted by, if he were to be arrested by Trump's AG and on January 22nd or whatever the hell, the day after Trump is inaugurated, let's just make a, the fantasy that Trump is going to get elected and yeah. be, and, and survive long enough to be inaugurated. Do you think Anthony Fauci won't have a freaking heart attack and like die that die on the way the, you know, while the FBI is on his way to his house, of course he will. You, you think any of these people are going to get their their just desserts? No, they're all eighty five fucking years old. Yeah, well, they're going to get it's their a, just it's, a, it's it's, desserts, it's a you know, but not on But it's a signal to the ones coming behind them, and this is the thing we're starting to see. And un, unlike Dave, I do see small winds being put up on the board as the dam begins to break. Because I see manila folders hitting the right people's desks and all of a sudden weird, weird pronouncements are coming out of the most unlikely of, of people Good. because at certain level, when you know, it's all one big wall. Oh no, 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 no! We've never done anything wrong. To you. well, yeah, kind of. He that, he that guy did something wrong, mm. and then that guy, and then that guy, and the wheels of justice turn very, very. And the legal time. And my friend Alexander Mercurius is a great way of putting this. There's legal time is a lot slower than political time. Right. Okay, and that is somewhat. What we're all feeling that tension between legal time and political time, and then we have political time purposefully you know undermining the ability of the legal system to even do its job. I mean now only a lawyer could say that with a straight face and not understand the 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 interplay between legal between legal time and political time, but understanding both of those things at at their core, eventually they want us to believe that we have no agency left, that they are running the table on us and that they are winning and that there's nothing we can do about it. And it's all fucking inevitable. We're going to have minority report with more Germans and it's all going to look like the freaking European Union. No, it's not. But there's a reason why it's not going to, because we don't have to have, because we don't have to to, to submit to it. We don't have to let that happen. There comes a point where you go, you know what? fine. Fuck you. I'm not paying my student loans anymore. I've given you $155,000 for $65,000 worth of debt. I ain't paying you another dollar. Done. Yeah, go ahead. Put me in jail. Go ahead. Put a lien against my house. What are you, What else are you going to do to me? There comes a point where if you squeeze hard enough, nothing, there's nothing left to squeeze. And then the leg breakers become the break, you know, have to back off. And that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a bunch of leg breaking mob bosses who, you know, are going to run out of, are going to run out of lieutenant. They're not going to be able to pay their lieutenants at some point. Cause there's not going to be enough money to pay the lieutenants. Cause I mean, dude, I don't know about you y'all, but I live rurally in North Florida and I know goddamn well that at any time, any one at any one time, there's six guys patrolling my entire County. Like how are they going to serve warrants for, for everybody that the bank wants, whose homes they want to steal. We saw this during 2008. People lived in their homes and not paying the frigging mortgages for two years. It's only going to get worse this time. But it's the people who need this enforcement and process to be, you know, it's either that or they just want to kill us all off. And that's also... You know, like we can have that conversation probably too. Zero. What's that? <laughs> Wait, we can have. We can. We can discuss. Them, we can discuss. You know, we can discuss the Deagle list or whatever you want to talk. What you want, You know, whatever. What fuck however, fuck you want that? to come into that conversation. What
0: is the Deagle list? I I I look at that and I go, no, what the hell? That's a military list. Is that right?
2: I do believe so.
0: Holy Jesus, is that thing screwed up?
2: Yeah. And, 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 and it'll, but even if you don't build, buy that, but you just look at what they're doing, it's clear that there's an anti human agenda at play here and that they clearly want to kill off a whole bunch of humans. Now, which humans do they want to kill off? Well, clearly the ones on both, you know, more than one standard, more than one half standard deviation from the mean. That's the club of Rome. Dennis Meadows, I, I always post that, that comment of his.
3: He says, we're at, you know, seven billion and we want to get down to one billion. No, no it's, they, they firmly believe that. that they can't yeah. have
2: a, a sustainable global economy no. uh, on oil, you know, based on, you know, with more than a billion people. I they agree. want to have
3: Elysium uh, is what they want, or Snowpiercer or something along those Yeah, lines. yeah,
2: something like that. Yeah. I, I, I like to, I just always like to say Minority Report, but with more Germans. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just easier that way. Yeah, pre-crime. That was a good movie. Yeah, Philip K. Dick, dude. Yeah, talk about yeah. talk about the ultimate and predictive. Talk about the ultimate guy who saw all of this coming. You know, back uh, in the sixties. We, like, we could talk you know, about this.
3: movies for a while if you want, or, or music. Anyway,
2: I'll throw <laughs> that out to, to our host. <laughs> I will lose Dave, and I know my I know my my partner needs needs Tom a challenge is, at some point. So I'm Tom need is the going most,
3: to. Tom is the most quiet uh, podcast host. So God bless him. Well, I <laughs> a, a it's been pointed out
1: that I'm a, a polite Canadian. There you go. And B, you know, I'm not the expert. You
2: guys are, right? I wanted, I wanted to get uh, you guys together is, to hear the. We're not. i well, like well, this is, is why me. I had to. This is why I had Tom on my podcast. I wanted to get Tom on the other side of the mic and to see what to see what came out of it. What came out of it was great, by the way. If for, for those of you who haven't, haven't haven't listened to that the, the, that that interview, I and, and it was I, I had I had an absolute blast doing it because it was like, yeah, we need to get Tom on the other side of the mic because he's yeah. a fascinating guy to talk to. Yeah. So.
0: Well, the reason you invite three people is to get one person's worth of wisdom.
2: <laughs> yeah, maybe. So the rants I put on today, less than one person's worth of wisdom. <laughs> yeah. Well,
3: fortunately, no one's going to listen to this. So, you know, that's well, a good uh, let me ask maybe, you this. No, I'm I'm just Not kidding. this far. <laughs> not this far. They I'm, won't I'm, slip I'm their the wrist right now.
0: I swear I'm the most bearish guy on Twitter. How bad is the next downturn going to be? I'd love, oh, I'd God. love to get some opinions on that. All
3: right, let me bring up my point and figure charts. <laughs> Where are we going? Where are we going, Rudy? He's, <laughs> he's, he's well, you know, his never. Newborn collection. Never give a target and a time. Isn't that the? Yeah, uh, that's always the case. I don't know. I am a. Uh, as I said before, I am uh, bearish in theory, but not in practice. <laughs> I, don't,
2: I am. Know, I always, am. I am still
3: an equity bull. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if they're going to print money, why not? You know, I think they're going to print well, money.
2: I don't think I. I think we're going to have. I think I. I think it's a. I think it's just a a, a simple global capital flight issue. Okay. I think that we're gonna yeah. that everything we've discussed today is a is a loss of confidence in in sovereign debt. You know, I'm very much a Martin Armstrong's camp on this one. The question is, who's going to lose? You know, who. It's a race to see who they can get everybody to, to give up hope of, of their government reforming. Yeah, healthiest. So, this is the reason I that. refuse to be blackpilled, Dave. I refuse to be blackpilled, even even if, even if I am in my heart of hearts, because I will not put forth that that the those commie pig fuckers over in Europe are going to beat us out for global capital, because that's what they're trying to do to us. They're trying to make us so demoralized that we give up on our own government and we give up on our own future. The United States still has plenty to offer the world. Does it have uh, yes. as, as, Does it have to offer the world the same things that it, it had 20 years ago? No. Are we Are we looking at it from that from an American's point of view? Yes. I look over Europe and I see a fucking wasteland, and yet these run by communists, and yet these people are acting like they are in a better financial and and political shape than we are. But again, that's because they put our they put those people they put these shit bags in power that we're all complaining about. We get rid of the shipbags that are in power. Now all of a sudden Europe, now all of a sudden, you know, the race for global capital doesn't look like it's all going to leave the US and go fly somewhere else. And that's, that's the sincere reason why I'm still an equity bull. The dollar is still too strong and still too embedded in the world's like a tick in the global economy. And the fact that the fact of the matter is that emerging markets are still and, and Europe are in far worse shape and far more vulnerable, um, to a debt crisis than we are. I'm, I'm not, not saying that that, 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 put, that, that works view. to our advantage for anything more than about five years. But if we have that happen along with, you know, even the barest of reform of our at the beginnings of a reform process of our own government, the United States can get through this. As Rudy was saying, as Rudy was, saying, as Rudy was in, uh, intimating or saying earlier, there's still plenty. There's still plenty of opportunity left to right the ship. What that oh, ship was like, right is a different story.
0: We right? got through the depression, right it sucked but yeah. yeah now you also your model has kind of a zero sum game implicit assumption in it as in if we we have we lose they win i think there's a global debt problem i agree and and therefore i think the entire globe has to reset its thinking and therefore it's not about them being better than a, i think there's a gigantic correction coming I argue that in the United States, there hasn't been a correction in the risk asset market in 40 years. I
2: Now when, people say- how, So 2023 minus 1971, how many years? <laughs> 53 years. I, I, I I'd say, I'd argue with you and say 53 years. 1981 50 years.
0: was the end of a bear market that went for 14 years and inflation adjusted, took out 75%. Took out yeah. a third of people's investment lives mm-hmm. and 75% of whatever they had. At the start. Now you say, well, what about 08, 09? We barely plumbed below fair value, about a month. It was a it was a it was a it was an it was a one-night stand with fair value. Mm-hmm. We have not and it didn't take it didn't correct investor attitudes. I think we have a big Nikkei ass moment coming. And Japan isn't falling into its foundations. But 35 years later, whoever had their money in the Nikkei is still toast completely. Mm-hmm. And I I think these markets could become investable for many decades.
2: Mm-hmm. That's very possible. It
0: doesn't mean we won't get through it. It's like you go behind your house and stomp on an anthill. Go there the next day, there'll be an anthill there still, right? It got through it. There'll be a lot of dead ants too. Mm-hmm. And so I I you got to somehow get through it, but you don't want to be one of the dead ants. And I think there's going to be a lot of dead ants.
1: So in that case, Dave, how do you see not becoming one of the dead ends?
0: Well, that's that's that gets to the question of things like if you have to invest in risk assets, which ones? Mm-hmm. So I I I think a secular a serious secular bear will clobber everything. I think it'll be I think someone will take the entire etch a sketch and shake the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um certainly it makes an argument for owning shit that's you know, hurts when you drop it on your foot, right, that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I'm more comfortable owning a house hanging off a cliff in the lake than other things. Um, be out of debt, you know, the usual stuff. Uh, the Bitcoin gold debate goes on and on and on. And and I, I, all I know is that I'm old school, so I'm comfortable with something like gold, and I'm not comfortable with Bitcoin, and and because I'm not comfortable with the idea of a digital asset. Have any of you guys
1: read or been exposed to the Great Taking, the book? Yeah,
2: I've heard. I haven't read it, but if several people. Keep I've been the, very uh, much um, asking um, me. exposed to it through my on my readership. Um, yeah. Everybody, I literally get asked five times a day if I read it. Yes, yes.
0: Isn't there a one And, hour? I, and, I and part I of me, and, 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 it, it,
2: and just, well, it just it just came a book out, first. Dave. Yeah, it, the, the, the documentary guy does a just a one came
0: hour up. podcast on it too. The author I think did a one hour that finally my- I
2: I I had lunch with people who know him personally and were and were wanted my, you know, were willing to put me in touch with him in order to talk to him before he finally came out from behind the curtain. Um I have my initial response to this was uh, was what it has been for a long time, which is that wow, the look at the timing on this. Like this is stuff that we've all known for a long, long time that they you know, put stuff in, they put all the stuff in place to bail in and steal our stuff and DTCC and uh, like all of this stuff. I'm like, you want to take all of our stuff? Go right ahead. There's 800, there's 800 million guns in this country. You may yeah. get away with it in Europe, but you're not going to get away with it here. Yeah, the one thing that caught my everywhere.
0: eye was the claim that you could buy a car with cash, but when they went after the guy who sold you the car, that they can take your car. It would be the equivalent of if you bought a stolen car from someone. Mm-hmm. That's how I enter. That's my best way of spinning it saying you bought a car with cash, but it's stolen goods. The cops come and say, it's not your car.
2: I mean, if, you, if, you're worried, if you're worried, if you're worried about it, if, if, the, if you're worried about these things, get your, this is what the Jim Sinclair was saying in 2005, get your stuff, get your, get get your, your stocks out of common name, have them put in your own name so they can't be shorted against you. They can't be used in the short pool. They can't be used. They can't be pledged against you or or margined or anything else. Have them put in your name. If you can get the actual physical stock certificates from the company, do that. Okay. Um, And all the rest and and everything else after that is, is, you know, this is, it's the bail in argument has been the, the legal Structure for these things have been were put in place ten years ago,
0: right? I remember you know, after about Cy- after Indian Cyprus
2: and all of this stuff we were talking about this stuff in 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 Europe when they bailed in Cyprus, and right. then they did it. They put the same legal language together in Canada, and they did it here in the United States. And I'm like, oh, that's cute, but we know where all these people live.
3: Yeah, they can print. I mean, they we can print the world reserve currency. Why would we? Why would, I mean, I think right. that's just why would be we do solution. this?
2: Like yeah. you know. <clears throat> You're know, yeah. going to replace it with Treasury bonds that nobody wants? Well, fine. If you're paying nine percent, most stocks at this point, at the point that they're willing to do this, the, the stocks aren't going to be paying nine percent right. because there won't be any earnings. Like you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't mean to make light of this or anything. And I think that the from what I understand, the the, the man David Webb is is an is an honest broker in this. And he's someone who just came to this, you know, realized right. all this, and then you know, went down right. the rabbit hole and and wrote a book. And good for him. And and if it's if it's this is his therapy or whatever, but I think. That's a great thing, but at the same time, like, um, yeah. Don't this has been there? Did that? You made my piece with that ages ago. Ask me if I have a brokerage account. Yeah, in two thousand eight. No, in two thousand. I I I do. No, I haven't had a brokerage account since two thousand eight. I pulled all my fucking money out of the financial markets in two thousand eight. I cashed in my I cashed in my Florida retirement account. I bought gold with it, Dave. Yeah. Well, I own a ton. Tragic boating accident, by the way. All the all the gold that I bought in two (laughs) thousand eight. Right.
0: But um, by the way, I also work for a company, basically, mm-hmm. which means I I have a heavy exposure to a brokerage account by necessity.
3: Fair, fair. Well, what, hey, let me tell you, in two thousand eight, I start reading. This is before everything went all the hell in the handbasket. Early in the year, maybe it was two thousand seven. Hmm. I'm looking at the prospectuses of the money market fund I was in. You know, the, the the sweep account. It wasn't a federal money market fund back then. It was just you know the whatever the the Fidelity or whatever it was uh, money market Vanguard. And I'm re- and it's all a bunch of re- repo agreements with Bear Stearns and Lehman right. Brothers and everything else. And I, you know, I was, you know, again early slash wrong on all that. But I knew these companies were in huge trouble. So I took it was a margin account, and my understanding at the time, and I don't know if this is true or not, but I did it. I I I closed my margin account, and I, I am now I'm now in a cash account, which I believed right yes. or wrong they could not bought, uh, rehypothecate my shares that were in the cash account. So anyway, so that that's nothing new. Like Tom says, this has been out there for a while, and I think it would be a stupid thing for them to do because they don't need to do it. Why tick off three hundred million or 100, right? I mean, million again, again, yeah.
2: It, do, will they have the will they have the quote unquote power to do it? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, Pro- <laughs> yes, they have the power to do anything. In theory, you know, they, they have want, that power yeah. because they've yeah. given them themselves that power. They have right. the right. They have the power well, because they are, But by changing I, the laws, the stroke of the pen, the law of the land, kind of cool, well, kind of it's shit. It's funny. That they think,
3: Getting back to those MBS, I was writing on my sub stack and I had a a, a guy, one of my paid subscribers reply to me and say, Hey, you know, you use the phrase uh probably illegal MBS purchases. You know, he goes, What, you know, he goes, I'm a a I'm a former judge or I'm a I'm a lawyer, and can you ex- go into that? And I thought, you know what? I, you're right, let me look into that. So I did, and I went and the Federal Reserve says that their justification for those. Uh, purchases was from Section 14B of the Federal Reserve Act. So I went and dug up the Federal Reserve Act, and I and I sent this guy uh, in the comments. My, uh, you know, I, I had a footnote to my Substack post, Section 14B, and he starts going, you know what? <laughs> I don't think that 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 they have the right to buy these mortgage-backed securities based on the reading of 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 what they're you know allowed to do. But the thing is, as as I went back to him, I said, well, you know what? The point is moot because Congress if they needed the legal authority would 100% give it to them and it would be a vote the vote would be 98 to 2 or 99 to 1 you know, right. I mean, so it's a uh, Congress is the biggest, The Congress loves a sleazy, uh, you know, money printing, easy money Fed. They love that because it sure. enables them to spend whatever they want because they're monetizing it. I mean, all these Treasury bonds, and this going to be really interesting in the next few years with all these federal debt coming due to see who's buying it. Um, you know, and like I said, the QTI, in my opinion, has been, you know, well, it's been a trillion dollars, but a trillion dollars ain't what it used to be. Uh, the other thing going back a few minutes on what we we're talking about about america again uh i'm a huge fan of america i mean look at our we got we got oceans on both sides we we got fr- fairly friendly neighbors north and south we i mean we have so many advantages here natural resources people which is this is one of the only countries in the world or, or the one where people are really dying to get in now i know there's other countries where refugees are dying but that's mostly to escape you know they, they're not really dying to go you know from algeria to sweden or something you know they just want to do something or they're pushed to go there i don't know but america people are are they want to come here by and large you know mostly good people some bad people so we got that going for us i'm reminded of a guy i knew probably 10 years ago maybe during the 08 thing and he was talking about oh america's going to hell in a handbasket and all that kind of like you know we hear a lot now although it's much worse now and he goes so i'm gonna to move to honduras because oh they, jesus the ass the ass is hitting the fan and i'm like dude, if there's, if there's, you know, there's an island off Honduras called Roatan. I was like, dude, if, if you really think that you're going to be safer in Roatan than in the United States, in most places, I mean, I don't know, I I find that kind of delusional. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing on the dollars, I, I tell people, you know, I, I remember in the 60s and the 70s, uh, I, I, there's a book called The Death of the Dollar, I think that I showed that was from 1969. So, <laughs> i think we are uh, the phrase i like is the healthiest horse in the glue factory but i totally agree with tom on europe i think that's you know when i was last in europe all i could help i mean it's beautiful some of the, i mean rome was just amazing i'm not as much as a world traveler as some people but i have been places and i uh, but so much of the of these some of the countries i saw it looked like a civilization that peaked a thousand years ago and they've yep. been kind of kind of winging it on tourism ever since and i and that's that's what I don't want the U S to be. And I see that look at these cities was look like zombie movies. We gotta, you know, my main theme is let's hold people accountable, which I think we all agree with here. And by accountable, if you mean treason trials, fine, perfect. But I, w- I would like to see it done constitutionally and, uh, and get rid of Yellen and Summers and all these idiots that we've had. Why, why do we have these guys for 30, 40, 50 years? Um, we need accountability and we need to fix America first before we try and fix Ukraine or Israel. We need a leaders who care, who, this is a problem in America, I think, right now. They don't feel that our leaders—they think that our leaders care more about people in Israel than, or or Ukraine than they care about the people living in Chicago or San Francisco. Well, they do.
2: Yeah, and that's a problem. It's a and, well, that's, and that's you know, I'm and this is just—and this is just basic. This is just basic stuff. If you want to fix your—if you want to fix your family, you fix sure. yourself first. Right. If you want—if you want your family to help fix your community, you fix your family. So by fixing yours, you can't fix somebody else if you can't take—if you don't take care of yourself first. Absolutely. Okay. Cause you, if, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to, to save someone else and you're not in a position to be able to take care of your own self, then you won't be able to, you won't be a resource from them. All you're both, all that's going to happen is you're both going to drown. And this is the fundamental flaw in the. Argument of the well, we have to fight them over there to fight to keep them from fighting them over here. Crowd of the neocons. It's the typical. I just wrote, I just tweeted, this retweeted out this morning of this latest the thread from the, the Institute for the Study of War, which is Bob Kagan sisters. You know, oh so Victoria Nuland and Bob Kagan oh. run the institutional the ISW, and they've been the Demons. biggest cheerleader for the war in Ukraine. And it's literally 15 posts or 19 posts of evil Putin. If we don't stop him over there, then he'll then we'll be fighting him for the rest of our life or some other. some all this you know, unsourced, opinionated, rotten, neocon, literal drivel. Yeah. And I'm like, you people started this fucking war. Right. And now you want us to continue it for your purposes. But the fundamental flaw in their argument is that we can't fix Ukraine. If we don't fix the United States and the United States is clearly broken. It's not irretrievably broken. You know, the clutch needs to be replaced. We didn't blow a fucking head gasket and throw two rods. Like, you know, the clutch needs to be replaced. And I'm, I'm dating myself because I like manual transmissions. Sure. Um, like, that's the difference. And let's please not equate a worn clutch and, you know, a couple of synchros gone bad in a manual transmission to having blown two rods right. through the top of the friggin' head, you know, through the top of the, the engine. Like, that's the, like, that's where we have to be here. Or drove drove the goddamn thing off a cliff and it's at the bottom of a lake. You know what I mean? Like, that's not the same. Those are not the, that's not the, but, you know, we need to fix that clutch. And we don't need to be fixing Ukraine's clutch because we can't fix Ukraine's clutch. Right. Or Israel's clutch or anybody else's clutch. All
3: right. I think we solved all the world's
2: problems, right? Good. Great. <laughs> what are we doing on Tuesday? Let's do a music podcast or a movie podcast. I'll have you back on the show after the first of the year, Rudy. We'll do How about books?
0: How about
1: books? I, I just w- finished a couple of books for sure. Dave, that was actually something I did want to ask you about. Sure. Because I've read several books on your recommendation. Which ones? Real Anthony Fauci, oh, Unsettled. God. A couple couple in there. So for, I just for some reason, that, you don't show up much in my Twitter feed anymore. So I have to refresh that.
0: I just finished Ricky Schlott's book on um, the canceling of the American mind and that was really good brought up some PTSD being in in Academia that was really good the other one I I that was really good and this will be a more polarizing suggestion but Chris Chris rufo's book on the the rise of Marxism in the country and how it Traces back to Angela Davis, and the the, the path is not broken. It, it, it didn't go. It didn't fall on its face. It reoriented itself. So this is. Uh, I these are the the local threats that I think have to be dealt with. And the way you have to deal with them is you have to be ready to put up with a, a shit ton of grief when you call them out, and they start calling you a racist, misogynist, non-intersectionalist, whatever. Unapproved. Uh, What's that?
2: An unapproved ist. You're yeah, allowed to be certain so, type of ists, but you're not allowed to be those ists.
0: So so those two books were very good. I read Dalio's book, by the way, and it was better than I expected, since I, I tend to think his macro is not that deep. Um but he he, he did kind of a fourth-turning analysis of history with a more economic slant and a more warfare slant. And and his conclusion is that we're on the cusp of entering his the equivalent of his fourth turning. And for him, it's a sixth turning, essentially. And his is a his hundred year cycle, I think just to stay away from the fourth turning. But mm. it's a pretty compelling story. And it really does paint a bearish picture of the United States heading into the violent phase of our cycle.
3: Is that the one uh, template for understanding big debt crises? Is that It's not a new book, right? The Dalio book you're talking about?
0: Uh, I have to I tell you what I'll do is if someone else comes up
3: with another book, I won't. In the yeah, meantime, I think I think that's it. That one's not bad. The one I always make fun of is principles, which, you know, I have a log running uh, thread on that.
0: Dalio always, always struck me as a shallow thinker who thinks he's deep. Yeah. But this book was not macro. This yeah. was history.
3: Yeah, yeah. I've so, read parts. I've read parts of that book. I think it's very good. Also, yes, for Dalio, it's very good. Much different than principles. I a love, love the, uh, this, this is the change,
0: this is a changing world order. Yeah, yeah. You guys
3: Although are reading not serious a, books. I'm I'm not a That's- huge fan of the fourth turning, but. But I haven't. Well, read, the fourth turning has got too much,
0: uh, too too much uh, forced sociology into neat pockets. That's yeah. the problem with the fourth turning. Yeah. I think the um, idea is right, but it, it, they try to make it seem all orderly and logical when it's really a very messy
2: story. It's a very messy thing. It is. But I think the idea I mean, is
0: still correct. I do, I think the right. base Dalio is really much more. He just goes through the phases and why they 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 are what they are, and and in some sense it's much more friendly to the reader. Then the fourth turning and uh and he talks about all the nations in the past that failed and why, and he goes back you know five or six centuries, maybe further I can't remember but um and he paints a a somewhat gruesome tale of where we're perched right now that we're 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 waiting to hit the now that now we start killing people phase of the competition
2: well. Well, You're man. all reading reading serious books. I just read My F in the Life by Getty Lee because I'm like that came out. I'm like, I'm 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 reading the 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 Rush Frontman's biography, which was actually quite well, fascinating. How about video. how about Eric Hoffer's
0: uh, the true believer? That's a brilliant book. So
2: there you go. I, I don't read I don't read serious shit for, for for work anymore. Outside of work. I I don't. I, I read when I read anymore, I read Purely for imaginative purposes or I'm going to read somebody's autobiography or not. I'm going to, I, it's purely personal at this point because I, I don't because it's just I, I spend too much time doing this stuff. And I'm like, as far as I'm concerned, reading and everything else is already I'm already going to like apply all the shit to whatever it is that I've read. I'm reading today. Well, anyway, to
0: so. Reading is
2: this stuff. Yeah. Well, it is, but I read I read stuff all day, I read the the news all day long. Like this is what I'm doing, and then yeah. and then the and the market reports wow. and all this other stuff. That's what I'm doing. I only and, read
3: non nonfiction, but but I, I can hear you, Tom, on on just reading more escapist. Well, the other stuff, problem me, we didn't talk oh, let about. Let me throw it, Dave. Let
2: me throw it's, out, it's, it no, it's, it's, it's interesting because you still learn you still learn stuff. Like yeah, I, it's yeah, funny yeah. listening to listening to, to 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 for example listening to Keddy Lee talk about the the the, the singularness of, of obsession and how that affected the, the entire life and then you can just see how like I can't help but even like put that into con like the, the context of of that story right of this fucking band. Right yeah. and how you put that into the historical context of the music industry, how it's changed, how the dollars hit, and you can't help but like see it from all those angles anyway because it's what we do for a living, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's it becomes this, and then then there's the parallels to your my well for me is a lot of parallels to my own personal life, but that's a that's a different story. So it was just oh. really you know, interesting from that perspective, and, and there's still going to be stuff to talk about. Yeah, Mike I, stand. I just want to throw out uh, Edward Chancellor's Price of Time. I think that's... A oh, brilliant.
3: Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. Edward Chancellor. Anything by him. He's a good, good historian.
0: Yeah, he's the god, right? He's yeah. the god. By the way, his his punchline is doom, right? When he says, "You look, every time we get to 2% interest rates, we
3: have a huge crisis. Right, well, but that's not doom. I mean, it's doom for some people, but it's not the end. of The, the world only ends once. Well,
0: no, right? no, that's correct. Yeah. Unless it also precipitates the doom. But if you're a boomer and you get your life savings cut in half, it's sure gonna feel like doom.
3: Well, it's like, I mean, yeah, but we also have I mean, I remember in February twenty twenty when Steve Leisman says the Fed needs to act. And this is pre this was pre NBA closing and all that. And it, this was in February, and because I, I, I know because I have a historical record out there because I tweet this stuff. And and it was the market I think was down the Fourteen percent at the time, or something, 14 <laughs> percent. And I said, I, I replied, I replied, well, well, hang on, hang on. Isn't fourteen percent cheaper stocks good for young people starting out? Just like I want, I w- I would like to see house prices cut in half, so the kids could have a chance. Family, young families could have a chance. Would it hurt right. me on paper? On right. paper, personally, absolutely. But I don't care. I care more. I want to buy I mean, I cheap care, assets. I care more about my kids than I do about myself. Okay, at this point, so um, yeah, you know, so. Uh, but when I say that to certain people, they're like, you know, they, they're the veins stick out of their neck. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? We can't even have, you know, you've mentioned a five percent correction, and they go nuts. I know, I know a, a guy who's very old, and he, um, and, and I was trying to explain this stuff to him years ago about how we're running at unsustainable level, and uh, he says, you know, I'd be willing to cut my Social Security, you know, ten, five or ten percent, you know, if it meant we could straighten out our finances. And I said, well. What if you have to get forty or fifty? You know that's the thing. So anyway, who knows? I don't think Americans. I mean, Ron Paul could only get what fifteen percent of the of the Republican primary vote. Maybe twenty. Well, Crenshaw's nah, like that, that's
2: bullshit. That's bullshit. What do you mean? They stole it from him. Okay, of course. Okay, Thirty-five okay, 30, 30, percent. He won. The, he won those yeah. primaries. They handed his votes to Mitt Romney. Correct. Like, correct. Correct.
3: So, but I don't yeah. think even among the most conservative Republican primary voters, they really want austerity. No, like, or no. they don't, they don't know well, Certainly not, certainly word. not,
2: the bo- they, certainly not the baby boomer generation. They don't, we're they don't about. want
3: fiscal responsibility. No, they don't want no, They Well, they,
2: well, because they, they were sold them. on the idea of a, a of, free lunch. They, like, Make the grandkids. Their imprinting is such that they, they, that their money was always, there was always another expansion right around the corner. Like yeah, they didn't live without this. So, again, yeah. part of the, the, the fourth turning, I think that is powerful is the idea of, you know, the, the, the imprinting of the, the of of each generation based on where we are in the economic cycle i think that's the what that's the the thing that i think i i i find that the most powerful part of the the turning because you can see it from generation to generation how each one of them looks at the world fundamentally differently so that's you guys are like like tom is tom's a millennial i'm gen x you guys are boomers I'm, I'm. not. Pre- I'm presuming, Rudy, that you're over the uh, age. I'm.
3: I'm like the, last, the very last year of the boomers, or whatever. Okay. It's yeah. Okay. So years. you're so the same age. I don't. As don't as but I don't, don't consider don't myself roughly like the a, same age as my brother. I Consider which, myself an American. That's you know. I used to. But, write but the, what the what point
2: we is, is that the the point is, is that there are that that there really are different perspectives on where on on, on where you were imprinted during your period of childhood PTSD and how your parents reacted to the w- to the way you know how your parents yeah. raised you and and the value system of, of of each time and i think that that carries with e- with with each generation in a very broad sense yeah. and because of that you know like we do have a fundamental um problem with you know the older generations wanting to give up power because they're afraid of the ones that they know are coming down. I'm sorry, but I can see the boomers fucking hate their kids, their Gen X kids. Cause they know goddamn well that we're happy to tear the system down. Yeah, and they won't I think, let us No, I system. think
3: we're playing it. I don't, I don't, I don't
2: buy it. I, I, I see this General very changes. clearly. I I see this very clearly. I think You, they look, want at to you look at what's the, you look at what's the average age of the, of, of Congress. Okay. And then you look at, and you look at how hard that they have worked to keep the, to keep younger uh, politicians out of the mix. And yeah. it's not just a function of, oh, well, they live long. We all live longer now. Like these people, like Diane Feinstein should not have been in Congress for the last six years. Of course, of course not. But she should got have moved real, on. Of but course. of course, that there, was an, um, there was a political imperative to keep her the fuck in place because she was owned by this group and owned by that group and owned by that group and was a conduit for all the corruption. Yeah, I think they so want to we pick. can't have that. We can't have we can't have the a 45-year-old come in and a 50 a 50-year-old come in and go, "You know what? Fuck that noise." Well, and cut it all what, off.
3: What if the hell is Kamala? I mean, the, a younger isn't always the answer.
2: You know, you're thinking, "I hate these generalizations like all young people think like this. All old people think like this." I I think there's a I, fundamental difference between the way the, the the there's a fundamental difference between the uh, certainly like like, like Art, uh, art of each art and the music of each generation is fundamentally different and reflective of their mindset. What's the average 22 year old like? I don't want to I'm not I don't want twenty two year olds saying, in Congress. I'm not no, saying like I don't want twenty two year olds I'm in just Congress. Saying, but I do I, want fifty year olds in
3: Congress. That'd be nice. I keep saying this. I know plenty of twenty and thirty year olds that are amazing people that I'd be glad to have in Congress right Me now. Me too. So I don't buy this whole thing that all this generation, if you're this age, you're this. If you're this age, you're that. Because I don't think it's true. I mean, maybe that maybe the majority are you real like I, I
2: don't want twenty-two year olds being cops. Okay, but, I grew up. I grew up in. I grew up in a house with NYPD. And I can tell you flat out that <laughs> one thing that they complained about, that that my father's generation complained about more than anything else. And I heard the same thing from my taekwondo instructor twenty five years twenty five years later, well, you was that the, cops that. that the didn't that the police officers were coming in and didn't have any life experience. They well, didn't have any true. judgment. That's true. Okay, they didn't well, have right. children and mortgages and and and, well, and and a sense of living for themselves. I don't want 22 <laughs> year olds in, in Congress making I, decisions for 75-year-olds. Oh
3: I know, but to get but to say that all anyone from age 20 to 30, or for example, has I'm not saying look, that's
2: why I'm there's not a nice old argument. Let's not put words in my mouth here. But okay, in okay. general, we can see how hard it has been to get a generational turnover in the in the in the federal government on purpose.
3: Well, I think and it's and because I think they're it's all making purposeful. so much money. I mean, why yeah. would Pelosi? You think Pelosi's afraid to leave because she thinks some young person is going to come in and vote against her way? No, so I think she just wants to make more money because she's got insider trading. I mean, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, see that's, so, that's, that's,
2: that's okay. That's Pelosi, but there are many others that are in in this position that would like to leave, that to have them enabled, that may have, may or may not have wanted to leave. And yeah. you have to ask yourself the question of why is it they are, are they still there?
3: I think the the I, I think the old the, they the people in power the. They want the old and the young, the black and the white, and the rich and the poor. They want to all hate each other because it detracts from the real theft that's going on, you know, the money laundering in these wars and from the uh, Cantillon effect of the Fed policy. And we're talking trillions and trillions of dollars there, you know, so, you know, somebody...
2: I don't know. I just don't want to see this. Dude, I, 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 I'm, I not, I'm see at this a... point now where we need, we all know that we need a whole bunch of fucking fire breathing, goddamn bitter Gen Xers to come in and wipe the fucking floor clean with Congress. And we haven't been able to get that done. And there's well, a reason for that. Like, okay, well, why is that not happening? I don't know. And there's a reason for that happening. Cause these people have all been, like, we get one through, we get somebody like Ryan, Rand Paul in this into the Senate and they're like screaming on free MSNBC that we're like, going to turn into Nazi Germany
3: yeah they I mean, hate him just the way he's, this is... he's so good on constitutional issues, which i think are so important and nobody cares in America i mean we destroyed the constitution over the drug war and the war on terror and the war on covid and and yes and it's, it's, it's but absurd. are the,
2: but the the arguments are far bigger than that at this point well, like, I don't it's, don't think we there's not, that. obviously that these are all issues but' were, we're now dealing with we're now dealing with stuff that is we're dealing with foundational issues of like matters of law now. Like, and they're putting, like you want to talk about, I can, you want me to turn into Dave Collin when it comes to the culture, and the political war, I'm (laughs) as black-pilled as they possibly could be. Okay. Let me ask
3: ask you an honest, very naive question. What do you mean by black-pilled?
0: Yeah, I was going to ask that question too. There
2: is no, there is no hope. It is going to crash. There is no hope. It's, it's, yeah, you're black-pilled, Dave. You're kind of nihilist. Every or it's it, it's it, it, as far no. as these it, yeah. there's there's take the red pill take the blue pill right red pill no. the blue pill you get to stay in the matrix red pill you go oh my god the world's okay. not the way the world's not the way they told me told me on to MSNBC the right. black pill guy like oh no it's all one big club and we ain't in it. Now which Uh, one do you see? And it's even worse than that. And every and and at every turn, and at every turn, there's no and and any counter argument to there being a way out of this is oh no, they'll never let that happen.
0: What color do you see the reality? What color pill is that one?
2: I'd gray. I I think it's a gray pill.
0: The guys who can see behind the matrix. What color is that?
2: I, I, this normally lose. be normally it would be the you take the red pill. I'm I, I'm at the point where okay. I'm not white the pill. Red pill I don't think we're I don't bad think bad we're going to win. Is there a red? I don't think pill? we're going to win, and I don't think we're going to lose. I think we're going to muddle through. It's going to be ugly, and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be ugly, and it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of dead ants along the red this But is, I do believe a we have actually history
0: argument. Tom, Tom, Tom. This is a red herring argument because you don't lose, and it doesn't end. It's an infinite loop.
2: I agree. It's an infinite loop. But for my but but in but my lifetime, Dave, it does matter. Like the it only does. thing i can talk about is right, and, and, and so from a from a from a from an actionable time frame perspective,
0: right. Now, now let it, me let me respond to Rudy. I I see the kids; they are different. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: They do, and they do. They change in sort of a wave. The 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 the, the Jonathan Height model is correct. Around 2014, the entering freshmen were just different. There's all sorts of theories as to why. One theory is social media, cell phones, that sort of thing. They are different. I read my teaching evaluations the other day, and something in my brain snapped. I I was so offended by them. And it was not just, they didn't say awful things. It was what they seemed to want. And I go, well, you don't get that. You don't get that.
3: And and it it bothered the shit out
0: of me.
1: What did they want, Dave?
0: They they wanted spoon feeding. Mm-hmm. So so I nine of the twelve weeks I have this incredibly detailed, thoroughly vetted set of notes. Three of the weeks, it's chalkboard, and and the set of notes has got everything. It's comprehensive to the point where I can't talk about it all because it's comprehensive. I said, but it's a reference document too. So I, I I'd use this PowerPoint, and then. There's a pile of them saying, well, we needed a textbook. I go, what do you think those fucking notes are? <laughs> right? And, and we want more problem sets. Why would they? Oh, well, you want more problems? sets. It must be ambitious. No, they want to be told what to study. Yes. They want to be told what to study. They don't want to have to go, oh, well, I better study everything because I don't know what he's going to throw at me and I better be ready. And that's how the hell you get the kids to study.
1: To, to understand how to think, everything. not what to think.
0: Well, and and I try to teach them how to think. I try explicitly, like saying flashcards or some digital equivalent, do it. Copy over your notes or some digital equivalent, do it. Study every subject every day. Don't binge study. You know, shit like that. They don't listen. I think I taught a very good course. I used to score four and a half out of five. And I scored three. Well, And the comments were these comments that irritated me that by themselves wouldn't have bothered me, but then the low scores were there, and and they said, don't bring politics into the course. Well, what the politics I brought into the course was probably a half a dozen comments about the vaccine being bullshit and about climate change being bullshit, and my wife said, well, why would you say that? And I said, well, if I don't say it, who's going to say it? In fact, what I said to them is the reason I throw out these bars. So that the next time you read an article that says that, instead of just dismissing it, you might read it and say, oh, there's someone else who says that. Maybe I should read the article because they've been in. Doc- and, and my brother said it perfectly. He said, telling the kids that climate change is bullshit is like telling a Muslim that Mohammed is a pedophile. And, and I realized I said that's exactly right since daycare. They've been taught that the world is in a crisis over climate change. Yep. And I Maybe. can't change. Since daycare, they've been taught that you should never feel discomfort. If you do, you should apply to a higher authority to get that remedied ASAP. And so there's just that, you know, when we were kids, we'd set up sports in the side yard, we'd referee, we'd set up the rules, we'd set up the bases. We'd occasionally get in fights over something. But we figured out, it was like Lord of the Flies, we figured out how to function as a little micro society. And my friends went on to play football at Penn State and places like that. I mean, we were, we were good. They don't do that anymore. Every single event they do has an adult there in which they turn to the adult like my dogs turn to me for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so they are different now, and they are very much socialists.
3: Why don't you blame the parents for that? Maybe you should, you should probably be I a middle school teacher. I do blame the parents for that. Yeah.
0: I blame the parents. I blame the teachers. I blame – so the parents, life is different. So when we were kids, you always had to be home for dinner, and you always had dinner sitting around the table. Hmm. My dad was a contractor, and I'd say, oh, I think everyone ought to be paid the same, and then he would explain to me why that's a stupid fucking idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right Now, the dinners, you got one parent feeding one kid, one parent feeding the other kid, you're driving them off to Taekwondo practice, you're driving off to soccer practice, you're driving, you know, right? And, and I used to love taking my son to sporting events and stuff because we'd drive in the car and it would be just him and me, or yeah. go skiing and we're sitting in the chair and it would be just him and me, and we would talk about life. The parents have not immunized their kids against bad ideas. Because for starters, both parents are working, and I'm not trying to sell some old school model. I think women need careers too, but it's a sacrifice we paid. Now, the other sacrifice we made is the the, the feminist revolution, which allowed women to do things that they were qualified to do, which is phenomenal. The price we paid is it left the teaching not to people who were smart enough to be physicists but ended up teachers because society shoved them there. We end up with teachers who were there because they got double 400s on their SATs. And so now it's just a very different slice of tea. I had unbelievably brilliant looking teachers, and now I don't think they do because those brilliant women are reaching for a much higher goal. And that's not to say you can't have brilliant people become teachers, but like it's been called pretty clean. So we mm. we have some fundamental problems here. Yes, And we do. The, the, the generations are different. If you grew up, if you were greatest generation, you hoarded money. You you respected money. You respected. You didn't throw away leftovers. That that was the greatest generation, and it was a bell curve that was shifted way over to the. My dad was a contract with three hundred fifty employees. We lived in a house that was probably 2,000 square feet, maybe. It was what we needed and no more. Nowadays, he'd be a McMansion owner. He'd own 5,500 square feet, but not then. Mm -hmm. And, and, And if you actually read Charles Murray's books on this shit, Murray talks about how in the old days there wasn't this stratified society where the, the where everyone Harvard's admission standards weren't that high you went to Harvard because you were a Harvard type person and now it's you go to Harvard because you've got your 4.15 GPA and or you check some other box and uh and and, and so society has changed and I, right. I see it in the kids individually they're great mm-hmm. but collectively one day I was in class, I was lecturing a guest lecture, which means you're burning the clock. You're, you're just filling in space. So I'm lecturing on a bunch of mechanisms, Tom will know what I mean by that. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, as I'm lecturing, I realized I don't believe any of them. And I said, you know, I don't believe any of these things. And I said, but I tend to be a contrarian. I said, I go outside the box away from, away from chemistry too. And I mentioned something that I talked about to someone. And then I mentioned, I said, for example, Said there's something wrong with these recent Las Vegas shootings. I'm gonna figure out what it is, but there's something not right about it. That's all I said. Five fucking kids went to the chair's office to complain. What the fuck is wrong with those kids? I show up in class the first day this year. I've got a one and a half inch bladder stone. I'm sitting on a table. I'm in semi-fetal position because it hurts to stand up. I tell them, look, my wife told me not to come, but I'm gonna come. And I talk about stuff. And I said, there's going to be no chemistry today, but I'm going to tell you about the course, this and that. And I just sort of talked. And I talked about how to study. And I talked about issues that I pull forward that I would normally talk about in class. Within two hours, I got a call from director of graduate studies saying, you have to stay on topic, or there's going to be a mass exodus from your class. I go, why? So I must have dropped 50 fucking F-bombs on that conversation. And and he said, "Well, th- th- there's going to be an exodus." I said, "Fuck them, let them drop. I don't give a shit. What the fuck are you talking about?" So then, <laughs> the next lecture, I have to go to class, and and there's this gag order on me. So I get to I tell the class. I said, "At the end of class, when there's two minutes left, remind me I got two minutes. I got to talk about." And the idea was to say, "Look, I got to pull in my reins." But by the end of that class, I already cracked fifty fucking jokes and shit like that. And so it was clear. So I said. I I have no filter, here's the deal. You could talk to the chair, you could complain to the the dean, you could send an email to the president, or you could come to my office and we could chat and we'll both come out better for it. But two lectures later, the chair walks in my office and said, we've got another complaint. I go, what's the complaint this time? He didn't (laughs) fucking know. He just got a complaint. He didn't know anything about it. I said, "You're fucking kidding me, right?"
1: And I'm sure nobody, nobody showed up to actually come and chat with you either,
0: right? And so then I, so I told you I thought these little barbs about Fauci. I said, "It turns out the vaccine doesn't work." I never mentioned masks. You know, why I didn't mention masks because I didn't want a kid who felt the need to wear masks to feel bad. So I stayed right. up. But I said, "The vaccine doesn't work." All-cause mortality of the, the control group was lower than the vaccine group. You got duped. I hate to tell you. I mentioned climate change. I say, look, give me an hour. I'll convince you. I guarantee it. And they call that politics. But here's the really interesting thing. 45 kids in the class. Not one fucking kid came to my office and said, could you give me something to read? I'm interested in your claim. No, not a single kid did.
2: Nope. Because uh, I'm interested. It, because uh, this is something we've it's something that, that we we're that I was discussing with a friend of mine this morning, as a matter of fact. Like we have a um, you know, we're we're dealing with um people who don't know how to argue. They don't know anything.
0: They don't believe in free speech.
2: Well, there's that too, but it's, but, but it's even deeper than that. They don't have arguments. And so therefore they don't want to argue their points because they don't have arguments. They have been given an, a, an opinion that is supposed to be correct. And that, and that, and and if you disagree with that, and if you say something that's contrary to that, therefore you are bought, this is the cultural revolution shit at this point. And I'm dead serious. I I, I am done making excuses here. Like no, I and I and Am I blame I the, the bo- and I blame the fucking boomers are that are ahead ahead of me for having put this shit in, this shit in place, and I blame the and, you know, and I blame the the, the the parents of my generation who were so scared about what what came out of it that they helicopter parented all of their kids. Like I I can see it. I used to be a part of a parenting group here, and and you know when when my my daughter was a kid, we had an, we we were we I was part of an attack from parenting group. Like the kids were all homeschooled and all the rest of it, it was sold. It was still helicopter parent shit that Dave was talking about earlier. Half of these, m- most of the kids were, you know, I asked me of one, one, one degree or another and everything else. But I'm like, at a certain point, we're like, like, does anybody just let their kid like, you know, play in the stream and eat paste and eat dirt and learn not to eat dirt. Like, you know, but don't
0: they let they their kid get dirty. Play? no, not no. Now.
2: No. Not, so,
0: well, so we so R- Rudy, we I do blame the parents. And I think it actually is okay. a response by the boomers to what I would call a the tough um greatest generation. Mm-hmm. So I had to eat vegetables. I hated vegetables. I hated them. I gag on them. I hated them. It never made sense for me to make a kid eat a fucking vegetable that makes them gag. Just say, OK, don't eat the fucking vegetable, right? So I don't make my kids eat shit they don't want to eat. I won't make them something special. But but if they don't want to eat a third of the goddamn dinner, then they don't have to. So, so the boomers, I think, responded to their parents, who came out of the Depression, World War II, tough as nails, collectively. The boomers then became, you know, the hippies and this and that, and, and they they raised their kids different. So this it is fourth turning. It is the generational rollovers that occur. So I th- I think generations are different.
2: And, and and I have a very unique position on this, and my myself and my partner Dexter White are the same, and that we have silent generation parents but our Gen X kids. My parents had had me late, okay, and so I had the tough as nails, and actually in my family. Like my mom was that you will eat all your vegetables and terrorize my, my, my older sisters who were 10, 12 years older than I am. Right. So my sisters are already retired and on social security. Okay. Um, and I heard the horror stories and yet I got, I got, I got the easy mode because I didn't have to like hide the broccoli in the, and then eat it, the hide the broccoli in the napkin to try and get out of dinner and then have to eat it for breakfast the next morning. Okay. But that's the way, that's, that's the way my, my, my kids were, my sisters were raised. And I'm like, well, good. And they all looked at me like I was soft. Like, well, that's fine. But I have a so I have a very weird perspective on some of this generational stuff because I see it, I saw it all within my own family. Okay. In the same way that my dad saw it within his family, because he was the youngest of eleven growing up during the Great Depression. Okay. So um, and there's immigrant well, stuff so in there as, as parents, well. My
0: parents though, Rudy and I are probably influenced by having grown up and watched our uh, watched. Inflation re- wreak havoc. Rudy's an inflation too. hawk of a kind I've never seen. Well, as a I, kid, how old were you, Rudy, When in the 70s, right? Teenager. Uh, so, so your aversion to inflation was because you grew up with it. There's a phrase that a colleague said to me once, you are what you were.
2: Yes. Well, I That's saw, what I was getting at earlier. By I saw the effects
3: that it had on a family with one bread earner, a teacher, a middle school teacher. Four kids. Um yeah, he had to get a second job. He started his and own it's little
0: killing us now. That's something yeah. yeah. that's
3: driving but, me nuts. Right. But I mean, it, it's always bad. It's not just bad when I grew up or bad now. It's been bad. I mean, I I posted out on Twitter the other day, there was a Wall Street Journal article from Rath in twenty fifteen where he makes some stupid comments, you know, kind of like Krugman does now or Wolfers. And the no, repli- like the the replies from registered um Wall Street Journal readers in 2015, when the official CPI rate was under 1%, I'll post it right after we're done here. And you read those replies. These people are screaming about inflation. So that's one of the things that got me on here on Twitter in the first place. For the first 10 years, every single day on TV and FT, the mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal, there is no inflation. We need more inflation. And I am literally just going, Are you freaking insane? So now, we in the last couple of years we've had it ramped up to a higher, you know, angle, but we always have inflation. As Peter Buchvarg says, you know, all we're talking about is you know how high is it going up at a time, the rate of change. Right. Know, we, there's always inflation. Jim Grant the other day said deflation does not exist under this monetary system. It really no. doesn't. Now, can an office no. building go down in price? Yeah, but I guarantee you, overall, the American's cost of living isn't going to go down.
0: Right. And, but the inflation that was different before.
3: Uh, was that it was, what do you mean? The inflation? If your prices go up, it's inflation. It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter no,
0: why. I, know, I agree, but what's different is that it was it was low enough that you could kind of adjust for it as you live.
2: Well, again, it, it comes and down to what you're dealing with. The last real, two or
0: three years, it, it's now. There's no way to adjust at, for it. It's coming in faster than you can. pop. I I bought sliced turkey the other day. It was thirteen fucking dollars a pound. Now, right, I can right. afford sliced circuit 13 a month. Some Joe six pack can't do that.
2: Nope.
0: And and so, so now the inflation is so strong that you cannot adjust for it. You,
2: they, now, I'll give you guys a perfect example. I was younger than Rudy during the seventies, uh, the, the, the inflation of the 70s. My mom had to go to back to work after I was the last one to be born in 68. And my mom went back to work within a couple of years of me being born. Um, and that was the first time we ever had two parents working uh, working at the same time. My they would they would you know make sure that one of them was working days, one of them was working four to twelve because she was a nurse and he was a cop. And my dad and I remember the fights of my mom having to bring home chicken. Yeah, well, go to my feet and a pork, re- not. And, there's a re- and there was a reason for this. There was a un- I didn't know this until later. There was an unwritten rule in my house that there would be no chicken brought in the house because. It had to do with my dad and the way my, my, my grandfather died. My, my dad had said no to fucking chicken because my dad would I not have chickens I in the fucking house. Because what happened my father, my grandfather had a heart attack in the backyard in his duplex in Brooklyn and he kept chickens and he had a, and while feeding the chickens, he had a heart attack and died. They had to have a closed casket because the chickens pecked their eyes out. Okay. Oh. And so my dad was like, you know, no fucking chicken. Okay. No fucking chicken in my house. All right. Okay. If I ever write my autobiography, there's a whole story I already know around stagflationary chicken. And that when my mom brought home chicken the first time to have for dinner, he was really fucking angry and he felt like a failure. Okay. That's how that was my house. All right. So I understood the inflate. So I'm as imprinted as you are, Rudy, on the inflation part of it. It caused no end of crisis in the entire time I was growing up. They're in the 70s. It was awful, right? It we'll was survive. really, really fucking it. hard.
3: I mean, yeah, but we had we had fun too. It was good, good music. yeah, okay, don't get me wrong. I'm not right. saying, yeah. I,
2: I, I, <laughs> but I'm talking about, the, but the, but the, the, the tension in the household was palpable every week. Yeah. Okay. Every week. That's because we only had and, one bathroom. and it was, and and my mom worked her ass off to figure out how to put enough yeah. food on the table to feed a family of six. Sure. So. And, uh, you know, and it was hard and, and the standard of the food went down and, 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 uh, and all of it, but, um, you know, we still were able to, you know, cobble together a lower middle-class lifestyle. Right. That being said, um, yeah, I, I apologize to my daughter all the time. I'm like, I don't have any idea how you guys are going to get through this. Not without parental help. So, so the boy- not, not without, not without the families coming together intergenerationally to help each other.
0: So the boomers who are trying to protect their wealth, by the way, some percentage of them, which I put myself in that category, are. I've got enough to get to ninety-five without without starving, mm-hmm. but I also want to leave something to the kids. And so, yeah. at least some of us are saying, "I, I want to leave an estate. I, I want. I don't want them to get it tomorrow because I'm kind of hoping not to die." Right. But I would love to leave them a, a lot of something to make life a little easier. And so I'm investing for more than just me and my wife.
2: My my goal at this point with my daughter turning 17 is for me to have a personal balance sheet and a career, which I have, um, that allows me to not necessarily have to have a, a large investable nest egg, but to start her off with the things that I didn't have. A car, right. a house, a place to live that she can start raising a family in. And that's right. what we're going to do. And then- you know, and, and with what I've got, I can, you know, build something else for Camille and I to live in. And that's the way we're going to do it and do it without, you know, and eventually just do it without, you know, and not have any debt carried over. But my goal is, but, you know, I've told my, my daughter, I, I you're going to need the house well before I kick off, unless I get, you know, unless I kick off tomorrow from a heart attack, but cause I don't, don't plan on doing so. I'm not allowed to die yet. Been told not allowed to die yet. So therefore, um, you know, that's the gig. And well, uh, my wife. that's my plan. My plan my plan looks much different than the normal one, which is, you know, leave something for them. I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> Like, yeah, no, I got to leave. The, I got to leave her at this house basically to grow up because there's no fucking way she's going to be able to afford a place on her own unless, you know, she unless she marries against type and, you know, actually gets somebody who's a welder, you know, but I don't see that happening. So, well, I've, it's, already, told, it's, I've it's, already told her, please do that. And she's like, you know, I'm like, yeah, I know it's not going to happen, so
1: it's kind of funny as you guys are telling all these stories and everything and about, let's say the stereotypes of these generations. I grew up obviously late eighties. Tom said I'm a millennial. I got my ass beat. I was forced to eat what was on my plate, finish what was on my plate. And if you didn't, you got it for breakfast the next morning. I didn't never studied well in school. I hated school, but the stuff that interested me, you could not beat me at it. I, you know, I, I was just, Voracious at learning the stuff that I wanted to learn. But, you know, Dave, to your point about this new generation of kids, I decided a couple of years ago that I didn't identify as a millennial. So now I decided I'm transgenerational because I don't, <laughs> I don't,
3: I love that. I,
1: I don't, I don't share any of the millennial ideologies or stereotypes because I work no. my ass off. I like nice stuff. I save and, You know, I'm not, I'm not frivolous with, with a lot of the stuff that I, I like to do. And also to your point before Dave as well, I just read a really interesting book called The Comfort Crisis. As you said, people are so worried about not being comfortable right now. It's told Mm -hmm. through stories laden with facts. I thought it was, it was excellent by Michael Easter
2: um what's interesting tom and it's, it's funny i was i was chatting with a friend of mine the other night before i thought my, my game night like my board game night with my with my friends and most of my friends are in that in that group were millennials they're younger they're in their three and, and early anywhere from you know late 20s to, to early 40s um and i'm kind of the old man of the group and um was chatting with one of them and i didn't know anything much about him personally outside of what i you know knew him as a you know, I, I know he's a tough out in every freaking game we play. Like, like, if I can beat him in a game, I consider that a quite a uh, quite an accomplishment. But we were just chatting about, you know, you know, he just started bringing up like this stuff. He, like he's, you know, one time went to Taco Bell and his, car, his fucking credit card was declined, and he was like, "Never again." He's thirty three years old. He lives incredibly frugally. He doesn't, you know, I mean, and I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, and I know he's not the only one. Of and I, I've talked to now. I've, I've kind of canvassed all of them in a certain way, and it like, it's almost like, oh, huh, maybe board gaming actually, you know, gets the attracts the 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 responsible millennials because they're all you know they're all fiscally responsible, and then none of them are for the most part, none of them are running running up huge credit card debts or whatever. Except you know, I'm like, and I've just noticed it. Like they're, they're, it's what they are a shell shot, and I you know I don't I don't you know like I, it's. We've had a number, and this goes back to, I know this is going to go back to stuff that Rudy, I know, has deeply embedded in his system, is, which is that we've watched the boomers go broke three times. 2000, 2008, 2020. The millennials have watched their their parents and their grandparents go broke three times. The system break three times. and And if they're a little nihilistic about the future, I don't blame them. I'm honest. I, how do you blame them? May, I mean, this, the, the system clearly doesn't work.
3: Works for Larry Fink and Janet Yellen. Well, and,
2: yeah. yeah, of course. But no, I mean, no. For, but the, you make a good point from, from the from the perspective. of I mean, again, to get back to inflation and this, and it's not about you know the the dodge of real interest rates versus you know real inflation versus you know if real rates are one percent or yeah. two percent, then a little inflation doesn't hurt you. Yeah, bullshit. Yeah.
3: Like, well, Bullshit. they not only saw their parents get destroyed three times, as you uh, point out, uh, they also saw, um, well, to a lesser extent in the tooth, in the dot com, but that was such a smaller scale. But in the GFC, uh, literally, I had a guy, you know, tell me, you know, he remembers his, you know, his pa- a lot of people have said this to me. They lost their house and they watched on TV as they're drinking champagne and laughing at the Occupy Wall Street people, and right. um, you know, and and then in 2020, I think, you know, here's here's a couple thousand dollars. For, for the serfs and then, you know, again, the attack on small business and the biggest that was probably the biggest transfer of wealth of all time was what happened oh. in 2020. And it mostly went to the very, 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 very poor. You know, very rich, and to the you know, and the and all this. There's so much scams that went on with all these pro
2: yep. programs, the COVID, you know. the COVID scams, and the yeah, I mean, yeah. Daniel's yeah. work on 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 the money that was just put yes. out. Yeah, yeah, that shit that. is yeah. that shit's egregious as all get out. Yeah. Oh no, by the way, if you if then you're in a you if, if you're in a particular if you're money. in a particular income bracket, they want they want all that COVID relief on the all those STEMI tax. They want all those back. Is that right? I've had huh. to pay, I had to pay those back this year. By <laughs> the way. The IRS sent me a bill for $2,800 for both me and my wife, by the way.
0: Nate, we have to watch him drop $200 billion on Ukraine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's
3: and always money for war.
0: mind numbing because, because a border war in that region of the world is, has nothing to do with us.
3: Yeah. No. Well, we've come full 100. circle. It's been two and a half hours. I think I'm going to bow yeah. out for. Uh, yeah, I think it's time to go. I got to go. I got to go. What do you want to say, Tom?
1: Go. How do you want to finish with, this? I was going to say. It was an interesting point that Tom made about the gamers attracting maybe a more responsible millennial. Let's say, Um, makes sense. How many do you think are interested in gold? Because I don't know many.
2: Well, it's interesting. There's there's a handful of us, but what's funny is what's funny in this conversation that I had with my friend. uh, They know. They all know. You know, what I do for a living and, and who I am and, and whatnot. And like, you know, the, the minor celebrity that I become within this group of within this corner of the Internet. Um, and I said, you know, and and he's literally sitting there telling me, he's like, I, I've got, I've got, you know, excellent. You'd be shocked at how much money I have sitting in the bank to, making nothing. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. And I'm like, well, here's a here's a simple strategy that I literally tell everyone. And and I and you, you want to own some gold. And he was like, not in any way, manner, shape or form nonplussed. He was like, yeah, that makes sense. Again, hard assets understands it, gets it. Just you know what he doesn't want is to ever feel that 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 moment of oh yeah, I, I can't eat today.
1: But again, because from a, I was, a I, was I was
2: irresponsible from a strategic
1: and, uh, mind, I think that would be easy to explain to somebody. It would be
2: it is and and you know I and it's a very interesting group of people because they're split politically about half and half between you know shit libs and and you know I don't know the based, I don't know what you want to call them, but you know, um, people who would potentially be my patrons and people who would not. Right. But at the same time, everybody is like, you know, it's, 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 it is fascinating to watch that because even the ones that would be, you would consider you're like, Oh my God, you listen to them talk politically and you're like, how could you guys be friends? They're all like ecstatic for me that, you know, that things have, have done well. Like, and it's, you know, so there's not as much of a political divide as you might think, especially in that, in that, in that in that instance. And that's because over time, we all have proven worth and wealth to each other. Like, that's ultimately what's important here. So, you know, treating people like people is all that really matters. Like, we can, we can bridge any, any political divide at the end of the day if we're all like, yeah, but, you know, dude, you know, if you need, if you, you know, if, you need to be bailed out of jail. You have my phone number. Like it's not that tough. You know what I mean? So, and, and that's, I think the most important part about all of this is that they, they really do want to divide us in a certain way. And I, and I do really, I do take your point about the intergenerational stuff as being, you know, don't misinterpret what I say, when I, when I'm talking about the, the political operations on this are real. Right. But at the same time, we know you can break through all that stuff is because like everything else, I, as my dad used to say, like, you know, why hate people in groups when individuals give you all the <laughs> opportunity in the world to hate them sure. individually. Right. Yeah. Um, he also said he was an equal opportunity bigot and he hated everybody equally. Um, so but then again, like I said he was an NYPD, so um, he had very good reason for this. Yeah. Um, yeah so it, it is what it is like. We, we just have to remain, you know, focused on treating people as best as we can. And even when we're not, you know, even when we're treated unfairly, so kind of look at them and go, really, Did, really, bro, you were supposed to, this is the way we're supposed to do this. Oh, okay. Fine. Won't be talking to you again and we'll move on. So, but I I think we can, I, I, none of these problems are, are, are insurmountable. The, the debt numbers. Yeah. Are they, are they bigger than they need to be? I don't know. Yes, probably. Can they be, can, can they be inflated away? Probably not. Are we going to have to do a partial default and there'll be a, a negotiated settlement as to how much we deflate through how much we inflate away and how much we default on? Yes. And then we'll figure it out from there.
1: I'm I, done. I, I really appreciate all your guys' you. time. I think it was a really interesting conversation. Of course, at Rudy Havenstein on Twitter and rudy.substack.com. Dave Column at David B. Column and Tom Luongo at TFL1728 and Tomluongo.me. Luongo.me. Dave, where are we going to find your year in review this year same place
0: uh well i'm supposed to there's two parts the second part's so dark i'm not sure i'm gonna upload it it's so fucking dark rudy (laughs) knows what it is Um,
1: i I do too and i i kind of wanted to touch on it but
0: no you don't want. we don't don't have have enough
1: time now but
0: um i'm i'm i think i'm sending off part one that'll be published at peak prosperity and then presumably zero hedge right after that um, tomorrow. And so it'll probably take a couple of days for them to format it and stuff. And so it should show up in time to, uh, to destroy your, your Christmas. Um, I, I don't know how good it is every year. I look and I go, oh, this sucks. Then people say, oh, that was your best ever. And I go, really? Are you sure? <laughs> um, and, and I'm not sure I'm going to write another cause this one ripped my soul out. Yeah. I remember you saying that last year too. Yeah, this one really ripped
2: my soul out. Yeah, I, I feel, Dave, I feel that every month about the newsletter. I put, we put it out. Summer. People go, people go, dude, you guys killed it this month. I'm like, really? Yeah, I know. Thank I you. I
0: know.
3: Yeah. Anything yeah. to add, Rudy? No, I hope everyone has a great Christmas. And uh, uh, just uh, start trying to make your own little world better with yourself, your family, your neighborhood, your friends. And uh because we can't we can't solve the big problems by ourselves although i think what we're doing is you know i do my thing tom does his thing dave does his thing you do your thing tom broder and uh i think that's what we're contributing other people have different skills and they should think about participating i mean um anyway just by trying I main i'm a cheerful skeptic i like to call myself so although mm-hmm. i I've, I've been called a cynic but i never buy that that description so godspeed everybody
0: Send us a link, Tom. We'll 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 hype the shit out of it on Twitter. <laughs>
3: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, and I do mean Merry Christmas. Yes, uh, thank everyone, you. and oh, uh, including yeah. even Janet Yellen, of whom I know is Jewish, and I to say that on purpose. No, no, yeah. I'm
0: not. I'm not giving Janet Yellen one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's she's bad. All right,
2: all right, folks. I'm out. Take care.
3: <laughs> Thanks Take so care. much, oh,
0: guys.
1: Appreciate all your right. time. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should be taken as investment advice. Guests on this show are not compensated for their appearance. Listeners are urged to educate themselves and make their own decisions. Do not base any investment decisions on the information contained. To view our full disclaimer, please visit our website.